0: What if your entire podcast was a lie? Now alternate tagline. Alternate tagline. Alternate tagline. The fight for the podcast will be the fight of his life.
1: <sighs> that, that, that's that's even worse. They're both the bad. first one's Yeah,
0: yeah, I guess. What, so. if, yeah. what if your entire life
1: was a lie is almost something? It, it it's half of something, right. right? It's you're like okay, and right, like you're, you're like uh
0: huh. I mean, look, there are like three main posters, right? The first one is black and
1: white headshot of Taylor Lautner.
0: It's literally
1: his headshot, right? That's, they probably just pulled it from IMDb Pro.
0: Yes, and it just some out of focus like staircase in the background, and says, "What if your entire life was a lie?" Abduction. That's almost something. I feel like if the poster was literally like a wanted poster with that tagline on it, that would work, right? That would sell the idea. The other poster is Taylor Lautner, like sliding di- down the side of a building as glass is cracking, holding a gun. And that one is the fight for the truth will be the fight of his life. This just feels like a poster. I just remember walking by a subway station where this was up and just going like, yeah, I'm never going to see that. I I there is nothing in this poster compelling me to ever
1: see this movie. Oh, he's sliding. I've always wanted to see Taylor Lautner slide.
0: But just what the fuck is that telling you?
1: It was DOA because of that. It was like, yeah, was what, Taylor Lautner's in an action movie. That's all they had to pitch us on, really. Even though this is a high concept movie. Look, whatever.
0: It is. Cool. I mean, it, it fucks up its concept, but it's ostensibly a high concept movie. And also they were very confident that look, Taylor Lautner's in an action movie was a money pitch. Yeah he
2: uh, should i not be talking here no, let me just you say that he should be talking please. people uh, one of the things one of the great things about hit pressing play on 2011's abduction was getting teleported right back to that moment in time where taylor Lautner was coming off a of twilight with more heat than the sun on him. mm-hmm It was absolutely plausible that Taylor Lartner and his abs were the next action star. Right.
1: Big, chesty man. He's ready to fight, right? Yes. That is the
0: main thing to talk about on this episode, because certainly as a conclusion to the filmography of John Singleton, it is depressing and (laughs) uninteresting. As a time capsule of this moment in Hollywood and this young man's career and sort of what we do to young stars and all the sort of shit, it's fascinating but inherently just what i watched <laughs> has to be one of the most aggressively uncompelling movies we have ever Incredible. ever watched for this yeah podcast, right? it's right? what your
1: eyes just slide off the yeah. screen it's yeah. dog shit it's
2: dog shit
0: right
1: yeah. yeah but
0: it's if you come up with that sort of like you come up with the the matrix right and you're like boring like bad but watchable respectable but boring you know you're like this is right in the middle of just like nothing compelling happening
2: well I, part of the problem and i hate you know to use it to use a a, a industry phrase uh th- part of the the problems are the third act problems oh. there's a big there's a big set piece at the end of this taylor lautner i'm just gonna call his character by his by, the, by his actual <laughs> taylor lautner does is completely inactive yes. in the big set piece at the end. He goes uh, to a he, a he goes to a, a Pittsburgh Pirates game. He sits there is a conversation. And then at the end, people over his earpiece do everything. And he does. And he just stands there and watches it happen.
0: Well, that it's it's almost the most astounding element of this movie was like in some recent episode, because I should mention, this is a blank check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies, primarily. Directors who had massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks make whatever crazy passion projects they want, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they're abducted, baby. <laughs> 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 Ooh, Look, I, there wasn't a good line to butcher, but I had that one in the chamber. <laughs> uh, this has been a miniseries on the films of John Singleton, and talk about fitting... The thesis that I just laid out, a dude who comes out of the gate with the youngest, youngest, still today, best director nominee ever, hit movie, made man, studio system. uh, And then this is a completely noble uh, end to his career, which we'll get into a little bit and we'll get into the Taylor Lautner stuff. uh, Because, yes, this is this has been a miniseries on the films of Singleton called Pods in the Cast. Today, we're, we're closing that chapter because sadly, this is the final film made before his untimely death. Uh, gone
1: far too soon. Yep, he's not going to make another movie.
0: Well, let me double check. Let me see on IMDb Pro if he has anything. No, I don't think
1: so. I'm sorry. Development.
0: Abducted 2. Oh. Abducted again. I, if I were his children and Abducted 2 was
1: listed as future projects, I would sue IMDb. <laughs> like At what point? Does Hollywood's quest for IP become so desperate that they're like, uh, we're we're circling Taylor Lautner for abduction"? To I don't know. Sh- do you guys want that? Like, is it time for a comeback? I mean, there's a there's a lore there. You know, we
2: haven't really unpacked right. what's going on with his dad. It's very mysterious. We only see his lips. Uh, you know, what, what was the big secret uh, still to be revealed? Why could they not reveal who his parents were? Why did they make it seem like his mom <laughs> might've been Marilyn Monroe? Uh, still unanswered <laughs> questions. A lot of things uh, that we can unpack in, in, uh, in abducted too.
0: I mean, it is wild that we are now in the 10th anniversary of this movie. You talk about just fucking time flattening, right? Like this movie does not feel 10 years old in terms of cultural memory. When you go like, oh, right, wasn't there a time they tried to make Taylor Lautner an action star and they yes. put him on a poster with a gun? You're like, right, that was like three years ago. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's very representative of where Hollywood was in 2011. And I think it's very fascinating to think about this movie coming out the same year that uh,
1: Thor and Captain America come out. Um, Did you know that the Abduction Twitter account, at Abduction, still exists? I love it. And recently tweeting. Like... Wished yeah. Michael Nyquist a happy birthday in 2018 after he had died. After he had died, yes. R.I.P. <laughs> Tweeting clips. I'll, I'm your father, but I'll never be your dad. In 20, like, Taylor Lautner has vanished from yes. pop culture. But the abduction. Anyway, I just I Googled abduction, and that's what came up.
0: Taylor Lautner. Let's make this clear. Taylor Lautner has not been in a film since 2016. It's shocking. His last on-screen appearance period was a British TV show in 2018. Taylor Lautner has not been on camera acting since before the last time the abduction Twitter account posted something.
2: This is this this speaks to listen, he's bad in this film, okay? Let's he just is. get that out there.
1: It's a flat performance.
2: He's horrendous in this film. That said, the fact that he, has, as you just outlined, has not been in a project in three years now uh, speaks to some other th- – there's got to be something else,
0: right? Look, we're going to have to dig into this. We're going to have to theorize. We're very excited that you're here because you're clearly champing at the bit to get into all of this. Uh, our guest today, of course, is Jason Concepcion, long overdue on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, I, this is the, This is the thing I want to say right off the bat. And I say this with full awareness <laughs> of the fact that I am the one saying this. And I want to make it clear, I'm not saying this in like an irate way. I'm just stating this okay. as an objective sort of shock, largely out of the uh, my my sort of, uh, I don't know, passive accepta- acceptance of the way this fucked industry usually works. I am so surprised that as a white man, Taylor Lautner was not given a second chance. (laughs) I'm not saying he should have been. I'm not saying he's he's owed that. And certainly there's a history of just like, I feel like usually when an actor is given one chance to be the star of a movie and it bombs and they're never seen from again, it is almost always an actor of color. There is a one-strike policy in Hollywood with actors of color in lead roles and Taylor Lautner sort of like got that treatment and you have to wonder... If it was somewhat by his choice,
2: it's gotta be. I mean, according to listen, according to Wikipedia, this movie tripled its initial budget. Almost thirty-five million dollar uh, budget, ninety million box office. That includes international.
1: I, right. I mean, uh, and you're stretching, but it's it's maybe wasn't the worst flop in the universe. Probably, I yeah, guess. yeah,
0: right. Like it broke even or
1: whatever. And, and it feels right. Like Pittsburgh probably kicked in a couple million yeah. dollars in tech because they're like, if as long as you say the name of the city forty times, right. like, you <laughs> will we'll, 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 like,
2: please. we'll let you, we'll let you shoot at a Pirates game. You right. can absolutely disrupt the game. Whatever you need. To do for as long as you need to do it, you could
0: do it. <laughs> but you think about like how many failed franchise guys get like multiple bites at the apple, you yes. know, and get like a couple of movies like this at whatever budget level they're being tested for, right? Whether it's a $30 million Lionsgate thriller or like a $200 million CGI spectacle. Anytime a guy is kind of prematurely put front and center in a movie like this, and Lawner arguably. It, it made sense to test him at this point, right? Yeah. It, it it would seem that the demand was there, although I think they misidentified what his demand was and who his audience was. But uh, even when those movies flop, those guys usually get a second or third shot and then those guys usually go like, okay, now I'll do a TV show. Now I'll do like a Sundance indie movie. Right, yes. You know, they just like kick around for a couple I, I, years. Th-
2: with, with the explosion of streaming platforms and content, you tell telling me this guy can't be on
0: Vikings or something? Yes. I mean, and look, the Vikings guy is a perfect example. The <laughs> Vikings guy stars in Warcraft. And that that bombs, and then they're like, I don't know, here are like eight more movies.
1: Yeah, be in this expensive HBO show, right? right. He's in that yeah. the robot show. Right, yeah. you get to be the dad and lean on Pete. Like, just show up and shit. I am racking my brain for that guy's name right now, and I can't Travis tell you it. Travis Fimmel. Fimmel, was, Fimmel. Okay, there we go. Thank I, was,
0: you. I was helping someone prep for a trivia match today by being like, remember Travis Fimmel is the star of Warcraft, and that's the only reason it's in my head. Um, but yes, here, here is like Lautner's entire film career. Okay. Okay. He's in something called shadow fury as young kismet in 2001. Then 2005 adventures, of shark boy and lava girl in 3d cheaper by the dozen too. Yeah.
1: Right. In between those, he's doing a few, like he was on a couple Bernie Mac shows, right? He did a little TV, but right. Then that's. You My know, Wife
0: and Kids.
1: Left yes. and Right. Cheaper, right. Shark Boy, amazing. Okay,
0: so then that's 2005, those two movies. He's endearing himself to a certain generation of audience goers, right? Then 2008, Twilight, huge step up. 2009, huge. he gets Jack. Twilight, New Moon, now he's a fucking matinee idol, right? Now he's a pinup. 2010, Valentine's Day. Now he is at least, in terms of press, dating Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's part of his fucking identity. He's in that. They're a couple, they're getting papped out in the street, Eclipse comes out that same year, he's fucking killing it, right? Then the following year, 2011, Abduction, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. The following year after that, 2012, Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. 2013, Frat Boy Andy and Grown Ups 2, uncredited. Two years later, Tracers, which is his second attempt at doing like an action movie, which I I feel like it's not even released to theaters. It,
1: it's it's a parkour. Yeah, I don't think. But I essentially
0: goes like sort of a to red, red box. box.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I mean, think
0: it mostly comes out in other countries. There's like no information on that it's, getting... a, it's
1: a movie that premiered in Denmark and Malaysia. I don't exactly. Know, I don't, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay.
0: Uh, uh, Ridiculous Six is that sure. same year where he, he has. He is one of the Ridiculous Six. That's the one where he has a big part and it's like, okay, what it seems number like.
3: is he? Uh, he's four. One, two, <laughs> two, three, he four. four. He's four Yeah, built. he's he's
1: I'll... sandwiched between uh Hurley from Lost and, and Rob Schneider. Yes. Who doesn't want to be there? I, wow. I believe he is the dumb one.
0: That's sort of his character bit. Uh a strong necked man with a happy go lucky personality. He's Lil Pete. Lil Pete. Um, and that's 2015. 2016 you know, he is in like his fucking indie drama run the tide right yeah right. which is about uh, uh, a film focuses on a young man who learns that his former abusive drug addicted mother has been released from prison is planning on fixing a broken relationship with her two sons and that is his final film performance that is five years ago now and the main thing he has done since then is uh he did two seasons of a british tv show called cuckoo One in 2014, one in 2018, because British TV takes its time, and he did one season of Scream Queens in 2016. Yep, that's it. Done, done. That's it. We covered the entirety.
1: That's his whole career, post Twilight career. Yep. You know he's only 29.
0: That was
2: a shocking fact. That's why. That was the thing that shocked me. That's what. As I was watching this movie last night, I, I, I hit up the old Google machine, and and I was watching with my girlfriend. I said, guess how old Taylor Lautner is? She's like, I don't know, 35?
0: No, 37?
2: <laughs> no, 29. It is, that's a shocking
0: number. He is 19 in this movie, or at least he's 19 when it comes out. Right. And as we covered, because we've been doing the Twilight movies on our Patreon, for the last two Breaking Dawns, Taylor Lautner received... 25 million dollars per movie he made a combined 50 million dollars on the last two films just in upfront salary not even mentioning his percentage of the
1: gross which was pretty high he k stew and pat's got all they all got the same deal yeah but once
0: again louder was 18 years old when he made (laughs) it i know
1: i mean it's great He's 2 years younger than Kristen Stewart who is right. not old in those movies like she's like 20 and like he really especially in the first couple you're like oh this kid's like a baby and he's then you know boy. then he's then he's big and you're like okay he's like the big hunky guy but like he to to be in and out of superstardom like people screaming for you in in mass to like whatever his life is now, which I assume is—I don't know—he has lots of money and does whatever he wants, and good right? for him. Uh, like I don't know. I mean, like I say, I might wish for it if I had a monkey's paw; it might be all right. Like I want to be a movie star, and I get to be Taylor Lautner. Maybe I, maybe I take that. I don't know.
2: I, I just still am absolutely gobsmacked that he has not been in a single thing in in yeah.
0: in three years.
2: That nobody would put this like, guy in something.
1: Right.
0: Let, me,
2: let me
1: roll the dice with him. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah.
0: Once again, I just want to clarify. Nothing in three years, and the one thing that makes it three years rather than five
1: years is a show that only aired in England. <laughs> right. I, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay, too. And my, my guess is he's fine. I was going down the sure. rabbit hole a little bit. He is dating a
0: lady named Taylor again. Cool. <laughs> oh boy. But Here but she's go. she's a registered nurse. He's dating someone outside the industry and uh I went to her Instagram and she has 141,000 followers. Oh my god. Holy shit. Just for dating him. And her five most recent posts are sponsored. I mean, so she's just like a registered nurse in like Valencia, California, who also now is a spokesperson because she has so much clout from dating Taylor Lautner
1: 10 years after he was a movie star. Yeah, now I'm looking at his Instagram. Yeah, I don't know. He's hanging out with this lady, I guess.
0: Right. He just seems normal. He apparently still lives with his parents. He bought Mm -hmm. a bigger house for his family in Valencia. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I just like taking out the garbage. Yeah, he seems to
1: he's always wearing a baseball cap that says family on it.
0: Interesting. He loves his fucking family. And th- what's interesting is in these cases where guys fucking disappear, right, you usually realize like, oh, at some point they became disillusioned with the industry and they enrolled in law school. You know, there's like some career change where they go. They got very committed to the rights of animals. Like yeah. they, they just made all this fucking money. And there's a point where they go, I care about something else more. I'm devoting my life to this cause or some weird hobby. I now own of this. I now run of this. And he just doesn't seem to have a thing like that that's that's at least publicly telegraphed.
2: Right. Maybe he got very, very into, I don't know, like storming the Capitol on January
1: 6th. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do, oh. it, just Everyone scan the video and see if you see a black baseball cap that says yeah. family, family on it. <laughs> right, yeah. what, I think the thing that baffled people the most, that mm-hmm. baffled me, and I don't know if there was an answer on this, is there was literally a sequel... 15 years yes. later to yes. the Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah. And like they where like the original Shark Boy and Lava Girl showed up that Taylor Dooley, who played Lava Girl, yes. was in it. And, and they recast not. Shark
0: Boy. That was the one where where I feel like a lot of us raised our eyebrows and went yeah. like Is he
1: okay? Cause it just feels odd that he wouldn't do that. It said he was like unavailable, and I'm like, he's un really? Is yeah. he absolutely unavailable? Like he seems available it would
0: make sense if that came coupled with some sort of like message from him that was like look I enjoyed my time as an actor it's just something right. I put past me I have no interest right. in doing it right I didn't want to do it
1: right yeah 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 that, which
0: whatever yeah the framing of unavailable and it's also like I believe that's a pretty small role in the film yeah, it's, it's mostly like about a cameo. these kids it's a cameo to sort of tie together the Rodriguez universe it's also like he's shooting at fucking Robert Rodriguez style in his backyard in front of green screens it probably would have been a day in a costume to do something that's like a fun throwback to your childhood that would have meant a lot to your fans Uh, you know all power to him make whatever decision you want but that's the moment where i'm like there has to be some larger reason there's gotta be yeah and i don't (sighs) buy that it is just that this movie stained him so much because hollywood even if he had a bad stench to him at this Point and the immediate aftermath of this, he has two giant Twilight movies come out after this. The uh, the Sandler movies were big hits. That's Sandler's like last big theatrical hit. And then Sandler's first big Netflix movie. And the other factor is like at this point, we're 10 years out. There's Twilight nostalgia. People would be ready to reclaim him. I,
2: I feel like uh, the, uh, one of the kind of mysteries about this is, you know, a star at the level of Taylor in 2011 has an entire apparatus around him Mm -hmm. that keeps him working, that keeps him moving. Here's what you're doing next. Here's your next. And these people would all, uh, you know, be economically in some form or fashion dependent on his continuing income. Right. Has he switched teams? Did he fall out with his team? I feel like that's gotta be part of it because you, you don't just like abandon, you don't just stop working to this level and he and he had made you know you you mentioned his indie that often bespeaks here's the next stage you know Typical manager thing. Here's your next stage of your career where you show everybody that you also have this in your wheelhouse. Right. And right.
0: By the way, people try to make those indies and sometimes they don't work. You know, I, this happens a lot. Like you look at like Ryan Reynolds had his couple of years where it was like, oh, the big budget films flop. Now he's going to do like a Mississippi grind and a woman in gold and whatever. And a lot of times people like take like four or five strikes until one of those
1: movies actually kind of pops at a festival.
0: It is odd to do
1: one. Right. He, look. Here's the thing. I, I'm now. I'm. I have one, I'm posting in the. I'm posting a picture in the chat of him and k Stu in 2018, and like some fashion show. And k stew has got like the short, you know, hair. Wow. And it, they, oh, it's wow. a nice. It's a nice image. It's like, oh yeah, they're so like, you know, they're obviously still friends. You know, Can I to say it, also
0: he look. He looks
1: good. He looks great. He looks yeah. absolutely fantastic. He looks a lot. Cooler than he's, he's ever got looked. the spiky yeah, hair, looks yeah. Great. He's got the beard, <laughs> yeah. he looks great. Uh, on his Instagram, would John Singleton, in a movie, I would. <laughs> when John Singleton died, he posted three separate Instagrams like over the course of like a few days. Like, you know, obviously upset about that. Like, I love you, this one hurts, you know. Uh, I never stopped thinking about your smile, like, very open emotional i don't know i don't that's really exactly, get said, like he still is active on instagram he's got 6.5 million followers he just came out and was like look uh i have tens of millions of dollars yeah. and live a happy life and i'm not particularly interested in doing anything that i don't want to do i'd be like well that makes sense Well, you like e- it's example, just weird that he hasn't yeah yeah yes it's obviously
0: weird because he's so young right but like example that's what cameron diaz has done Yes. And it was, people are sort of like, oh, I wish she would come back. But it also was kind of clearly communicated by both her and like her friends, where they're just like, yeah, camera's just kind of done. She's married. She's happy. She's got a lot of money. She doesn't feel the need to do and this she anymore. Did, she
1: did the, the merry-go-round. It's just that her merry-go-round was so brief. And look, as it, you said like this wasn't the right movie, but this isn't the right movie for anyone. No one, that's my question. There, there's been so you many problems is, with this movie. There's no one who makes this movie good, right? It's not like there's a different actor. <sighs> With this script that you're like, they would, I mean, they'd be better. They might be more charming. He's not very charming in it.
2: Structurally, let's start here. mm -hmm. We don't even get into the meat of the, oh, this kid was abducted and is who he thinks are his parents or CIA agents until like 20, 25 minutes into the movie. Like, yes, we got to get going. If, like, if I'm giving notes on this, like, why are we spending 15 minutes on his high school life and, uh you know, shooting yeah. longing looks at his neighbor across the street? Let's get into the spy shit.
1: In a 105-minute movie, that's 10 minutes of credits. Like, yeah. it's
3: really, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a, basically a 90-minute movie. You have to establish, though, that he's weird, you know? Like, Whoa. he's <laughs> such a freak in high school. He's, like, the most <laughs> handsome built fucking <laughs> yeah. guy and he's like a fucking yeah he doesn't fit in with like the normal crowd his like, best friend makes here. fake IDs he lives next yeah. door to the prettiest girl in school
0: um, also like you, as you say Jason it takes 25 minutes for this movie to actually get up on its feet and then I feel about 20 minutes later they unfold everything and explain the entire situation <laughs> to you and you're yes. like what right. the fuck are you doing? The whole point of this movie is this guy doesn't understand who he is and you're just yeah. telling me. And now the rest of the movie is just kind of inert chase scenes. And you also realize that he is the MacGuffin. Like, he's kind right, of irrelevant. Right, he's got the
1: codes or whatever. Right, he doesn't really, he doesn't even know what he's got.
0: He's just a bargaining chip. Like, essentially, yeah. this. It's a, you're watching, you you feel like, okay, is he born? Is he fucking Hannah? Is he some super kid built in a lab? Like who oh, are his parents? Box. Yeah, but it's like he can kickbox <laughs> because his dad trained him because he thought someday some people are going to chase you. He's not like a super soldier, and it just turns out like yeah, we had to like bring you over to a different house because they thought your parents were going to get attacked because they were trying to expose some people.
2: My second note on 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 this this film just in terms of structure, uh, let's can we make our hero more active? He doesn't f- he. F- he discovers that he isn't who he thinks he is, completely by accident. It's this weird yes. coincidence where he and his crush from across the street go on uh, just ra- what a weird thing to do. Let's Google missing children, uh, and and that's how they find one of these bait websites uh, where he then discovers that he resembles this missing child. That's a complete coincidence, and it's yes. just the thing that happens to him.
0: A website that was created just to bait this one kid, not even just right. like right. there's it's a larger they're... conspiracy. No. That that almost makes sense if you're like, this movie is about a weird plague of children who were displaced from their right. families or whatever.
1: Right, and they're casting a net. Like there was like right. like a, a, a fucking Blackbriar, like, uh you know, born. If you're doing born, right? There was we're a whole pay- program. Yeah,
2: we're paying random Russians in Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, a wage to watch this bait website 24
0: hours a day. That's the other thing. You have to ask. You have to ask. Has this bait website been up and running for 16 years? This guy in Flatbush is sitting behind a computer waiting for one hit. Right? <laughs> remotely it. turn on his webcam. Or did they just launch this website? Is this new? In which case what else have they been trying to find this fucking kid? The stakes are so high for them. Was this their only strategy?
1: The other thing is, then it's like you're like, oh, they found him, and they're scared because he's actually like a super spy, right? And it's like, right? Well, no, his dad's a super spy, and he like left some data with him. He's just right. some kid. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> just get the dad. Like, do a movie about the dad. Like, I don't. I. It's one of those things where if I walked into a studio today, they wouldn't remember Abduction because no one yes. remembers Abduction. Yeah. And I said, like, here's my pitch: the face on the milk carton one of my favorite books when I was a kid meets the born identity, they would be like, Holy, Holy. shit. Oh my God. Oh, oh shit. Don't leave. Don't leave. Like, you know, like, Oh my God. Oh, fuck. Right. And then you know what else
2: you say? And you say, and it's that, but this is also a story about family.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Explodes.
1: Like if I pitched them most of abduction, like not yeah. the <laughs> bullshit we're yelling about, but like, The kid finds out and then, you know, and his dad and we'll see the dad at the end. But it's just as you know, we can cast someone for the sequels. We'll have like a star there. They're like, yeah, yes, yes. We have to do this right now. Like and they would not even remember abduction. I would get away with it again and it would still be bad. Yeah. Here's the other
0: fascinating thing is. uh, Look, we'll, we'll talk about like why Singleton did this movie. But like on one hand, it's depressing where you're like, ah, this is sort of like a paycheck thing. Has a star dimmed that much? You know, even at the time, not knowing he was going to die so soon after. Yeah. Right. Um, This feels like kind of a generic movie. But you look at that premise and you're like, there's something there with him because his filmography is so defined by uh, uh, men and their relationship to their fathers or lack thereof. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's so obsessed with the, the father figure in a young man's life. And even, like, you go to this opening where it's like, oh, here's a party, you know, this teenager, his weird relationship with his intense father. You're like, this is shit that Singleton has knocked out of the park, and all yes. of it's inert. It's it, Here's the, another problem,
2: uh, and this kind of, you could put this under our hero is completely inactive for most of this film. It's an action movie. Mm-hmm. Taylor Lautner has one fight scene, Mm -hmm. really. I mean, he beats a guy up with a golf club in his home, and then the guy says uh, there's a bomb in the oven, and then he goes to check that there is indeed a bomb in the oven, and then they uh, jump into the pool. But, like, Taylor Lautner doesn't actually get to do Taylor Lautner shit. Like, he fights the one guy on the train, and that's kind of
0: it. And here's the thing. Not only is Taylor Lautner at this point most famous for being jacked, right? Right. Right. Uh, that's the whole thing of like, uh, New Moon comes out, it's fucking huge, everyone loves him shirtless. And then the deadline story is like, Taylor and Watner offered $6 million. Or was it eight? It was, I think, a million dollars per ab or it was 750,000 per ab. (laughs) There was some deadline joke about how much he was worth per ab. Like, that was the whole story on him of, like, his body has driven Hollywood crazy. And I think that first movie (laughs) was Relativity, Ryan Kavanaugh trying to make Stretch Armstrong with Taylor Lautner. Stretch Armstrong, a weird 70s toy that was revived in the 90s. I was a fan of, but was never hugely popular as like a mythology, right? Was just, (laughs) oh, what if you filled a goopy dude with corn syrup and you could stretch him? He just looked like some blonde bodybuilder, right?
1: Yeah, and then every, I had one and then eventually you broke it 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 was weird and weird stuff leaked out of it. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) I loved them. I had the stretch limo. I had the fetch Armstrong. I was into it. I was arguably America's biggest stretch Armstrong fan. And I felt (laughs) no excitement when they announced that Taylor Lautner was playing stretch Armstrong. I also just want to mention, across the 90s, Disney had the stretch Armstrong rights for a while. At different points in time, they announced... Tim Allen is going to be Stretch Armstrong. It's a family comedy. Then it was Danny DeVito is going to be Stretch Armstrong. We're casting against type. The joke is that he's short. Then
3: it was- That sounds good.
0: Jackie Chan is Stretch Armstrong. (laughs) You're going to see him bend in ways that Jackie's never even bent before. Then at right. some point, Disney's like, this is fucking nothing. Get out of here, right? <laughs> and then Relativity like, buys it at a yard sale and goes, here's our pitch. What if Stretch Armstrong was hot and young? We're paying him $6 million. Everyone's losing their fucking mind about this. And then off of that deal, he starts getting all these other action movies lined up. Stretch Armstrong never comes out. It goes through so many different directors and writers. I think Nicholas Stoller was supposed to do it at one point. Bre- Breck Eisner. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Just never, never seems to make any real progress. But he's like in talks for all these different things. And then Abduction becomes the one right off the runway. Lionsgate's like, we want this. We're going to have this come out before the last two Twilights. They go to Singleton. And we covered this a little bit in Four Brothers. But the year of Four Brothers is the same year as Hustle and Flow premiering at Sundance. The two movies were shot at the same time. He had pitched Hustle & Flow to Paramount. They passed. Then uh, Hustle & Flow blew up at Sundance and Paramount makes the biggest Sundance deal up until that point in history for the movie. And the number was juiced because contingent with that deal was uh, Paramount had to produce like three more movies of protégés of Singleton's for which Singleton would get paid a million dollars per movie. Um... And it seemed like he had a first-look deal at Paramount to both make his own stuff and to shepherd new young filmmakers. And nothing else came of that ever again. They just fucking sat on him for, like, five years. And uh, he was really frustrated. Once the deal had expired, he takes pretty much the first thing that's offered to him, which is this movie. I think they sort of go, like, this thing's a green light. It's going. We want this fast. You could start filming this and fucking five minutes if you wanted to. Right. Like, it's ready to go. And it dinged his career. And then also, Paramount sued him and said that he had... Because uh, he... I'm sorry. He had sued Paramount for not living up to the contract. And Paramount countersued, saying he breached the contract by taking abduction. Which he said, I only took abduction once the deal was over after you sat on me. So this whole movie becomes a headache for fucking everybody. Terrible. But the weird origins of this script... Or this is written by a dude named, uh, was it Sean Christensen? That's right.
2: The, The lead singer is Stella Star.
0: Exactly. Yep. So he is a Pratt Institute, like graphic design visual artist. Then he starts this band on a lark that ends up being a big indie band. Uh, they're touring with big groups, and then right around the time that they end, he decides that he wants to write movies, and he writes several spec scripts, all of which immediately sell for like record amounts of money.
1: What a, what a business!
0: Right, he's like a a former indie rocker who's now selling million dollar spec scripts.
1: It's the monkey see monkey do thing, right? Like they're yeah. just like, oh, they, you, someone bought one of your scripts. Well, we want one of your. We want to be in the Sean Christensen business. Right. So his first one is uh
0: Sydney Hall,
1: which he ends up
0: directing ten years later as yes, the vanishing of sydney hall yes correct yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was his thing that was his calling card movie uh then uh, there's some movie called enter nowhere which does end up later getting made with scott eastwood and Catherine waterston but he's like one of these guys where none of these movies are getting made but they're getting sold for big money and then uh he he writes abduction on spec which at the time is just referred to as an alfred hitchcock inspired thriller And a sci-fi movie called The Karma Collision, which goes for $1.5 million. And like Ridley Scott's buying one. Warner Brothers is buying one. He's all over the place. And then these movies just kind of sit on a shelf for like six years, right? Nothing's getting made. And then like Taylor Lautner's a thing. Lionsgate's making all these Euro thrillers. They want to make a Taylor Lautner with a gun movie. I think this just suddenly gets packaged very quickly together of, oh, that was a hot spec script three years ago. It stars a teenager. It's an action thriller. You could put him in that because it's not like there are a lot of 16-year-old thriller scripts lying around in Hollywood (laughs) ready to go. (laughs) Right? You have to just imagine it's like, Oh, we want to make him a the next right. movie star. Uh, give
1: me a teen action movie, right? Yeah. There's not a ton of them, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: So this just like immediately gets fast tracked, but they also bring on uh, what's his name, Jeffrey uh Knockmanov, uh, who did that movie, Traitor. Oh, tr- oh,
1: Traitor! Oh, the yeah, Don Cheadle movie. movie. The... He wrote and directed. Yeah. Direct yeah, yeah Yes, it's like it's like a terrorism movie, right? Correct. It's like a bomber movie or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. He's also one of the
0: credited writers on The Tourist. Yeah, great movie. A, a phenomenal Perfect. movie. And then he since made the then, movie
1: replicas with Keanu. Oh, wow. he, yeah. made that don't wow. exist. he makes movies that don't. He makes movies. He made don't movies exist. that don't right. exist. But
0: they bring him on to rewrite it, and it feels like he rewrote the script almost entirely. You have to imagine that whatever fucking script Christensen wrote you know, years earlier that had heat around it that was described as Hitchcockian does not really resemble what this fucking not thing Not at all. Is. That as you said, Jason, the Taylor Lautner team must have come in and overthought this thing to death because it just feels so flattened out.
2: I mean, it's clearly like one of the notes was uh, Jason Bourne is big right now. Can we get uh, some Jason Bourne elements? It'd be great if there was a flashback and he uh, kind of remembers this traumatic thing that happens to him uh, when he slides down a ramp a la Jason Bourne and then jumps to the ground. He should hurt his leg and then he should limp away, like all these kind of things. Fight on a train.
0: I I mean, Christensen after this gets so disillusioned with how his scripts were treated in Hollywood that he decides to make his own short film, which then wins the Oscar. Wow. Wrote, directed, and starring him. Uh, Uh, It's called uh, Curfew. Right. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. And then he, uh, I was very surprised when it won that year. But then he turns that
1: into a feature which kind of doesn't exist. Uh, completely, completely doesn't exist, should be my guess. Yes, Before I Disappear is the name of the feature. And then
0: he went back and directed Sidney Hall, his spec script that got him attention in the first place
1: a decade plus earlier. And that also... And that seems to be that. Yeah, disappears. I mean, it's this collision of non-existent things. The thing about Taylor Lautner is, and I don't mean to be rude, he's very swole- in the Twilight movies, all of a sudden, but he's not doing any action in them. There's a werewolf no. that does action. There, like, yeah, the action is happening on a computer. Like, he does not do any hand to hand combat.
0: Right? No, he carries Bella, or he starts to leap, and then they call cut, and he walks off screen, and they replace him with the the wolf. I think you've put your finger
2: on 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 what is probably is is certainly part of what is limited his career in terms of the action genre, I mean, just watching this movie, uh, there's, there's a fight scene, but like Taylor doesn't land any kicks. Like it's always like, here goes Taylor into the spin and then they cut away. And then you see the guy flying across the room uh, there's a chase scene towards the end, you know, at, at the, uh, at PNC park. And that's the only time you kind of get that parkour kind of thing happening where it's like, where was this the whole movie? I, I get the feeling that maybe he's just not good as action and,
0: but he's swole. But Jason, this is what is absurd. And this is the other reason Hollywood got so into the idea of making him an action star. Taylor Lautner a black belt martial artist from the age of eight. He competed in national championships. The guy can fucking fight. You, you can watch think, videos right. of him yeah. as like a kid doing shit. And even this is my background on uh, my my Zoom window right now. But when he went on SNL, his fucking opening monologue was him doing jump kicks and shit. Like he can fight. Now there is a difference between right. yeah, actual yeah. competitive yeah. martial arts and uh, on screen fighting because on screen fighting is in many ways closer to dance than it is to martial arts. Right. And even the best martial artists on film tend to understand that and understand that there's a dance like element of the choreography and what works well in combat does not necessarily play well on screen and vice versa. But in theory, one of the things they're paying for with this guy is he should be able to do his own stunts.
1: The thing is, it's beyond the action, which is not good. (laughs) And in like and that, I, it's his entire physicality. He seems incredibly awkward with doing just human motion. Yes, Like yes. just, just. I mean, I'm gonna rip a uh, friend of the pod, Alison Wilmore. This is a, uh, she wrote a review of this movie years ago, mm-hmm. where she she basically she nailed it. Like this is the first film I've seen where an actor when where where when an actor goes to put his hand thoughtfully on his chin. I'm afraid he might poke himself in the eye. Like she's just like, I'm just like, you know, like you're like. I don't think this guy actually knows how to move I'd any like part to, of his body. Go ahead, Jay.
2: I'd like to highlight two moments along along those lines. The first is, uh, uh, so Taylor arrives at uh, you know this like uh, like secret safe house, and that's where he picks up the phone and other things, and he's like searching through a rucksack. Right. And he's looking through it as if he were blind as think of the way a blind person would look through something without looking down it, without opening it and looking down, he's shoved his hand into there as if it's a a crevice or something. And he's just kind of feeling around and he's staring at the ceiling. Who looks through a backpack that way you would open it and look inside of it. Then there's another scene. Finally, uh, where, uh, you know, Lily, uh, Lily Collins has, is, is been attacked on the train and we cut back, to, uh, to Taylor Lautner, uh, Nathan Harper. Uh, he is in their cabin on the train, sitting in the chair in a, it, I, what is he even doing? He's sitting there like, I can't even describe, he's, he's kind of leaning back. He's got one arm like on the window and he's just kind of in weird repose doing nothing <laughs> sitting in a way that no one has ever sat unless it's like for a Wrangler jeans ad. Like, why are you sitting <laughs> like that?
0: This movie also has truly, and I know this is a favorite subject of yours, David, but truly one of the least convincing screen kisses I have ever seen.
1: (laughs) Oh, I know. It's awful. And again, I feel like. And it's supposed to be a moment of like, oh, now they're alone.
0: They've been on the run. And now they're just like ripping. Here is the heat. There's the heat. You ready for this chemistry, folks? It's going to blow you off the screen. They ostensibly dated after this.
1: Really, him and uh, really, I didn't yeah. know that. I mean, uh, here's the thing. It's the, the Twilight I keep going back to Twilight Because it's the sort of optical yeah. u- u- illusion I just watched all five of those movies For this podcast And I'm like Well but he kissed Kristen Stewart In Twilight And it was hot right And then I'm like Wait did they really I, They didn't actually kiss much like, Right yeah. It's like very Because they're always like about to And then she's they like They have oh, the one kiss. They have the one time Yeah And like Then you're like Okay yeah but he did actually and you're like Well no And you're like Yeah okay <laughs> But he 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 like sat and moved And ran around and you're like No actually Actually, everyone in Twilight kind of just walks with their hands at their sides slowly <laughs> in and out of location. Like it is a lot of people being like, hello, like, with their, you know, and especially him with yeah. this like tree trunk body, like he probably barely knew how to like operate after he'd like put on 60 pounds of muscle or whatever the hell he did.
0: Well, can I throw out my big theory about his performance? And this sort of ties into everything we're sort of saying about like the pressure that was on him, the team surrounding him, how much everyone's trying to manage his career and what they thought he should turn into and everything. David, your background right now on Zoom is Taylor Lautner's Shark Boy. He is fun in that movie. Yeah. He yeah, is kitty. a better action star in that film than he is in this movie. He's got some charisma on screen he's got some coiled anger he does better fighting in that cgi movie in which he is in a fucking ice cream land with a shark <laughs> fin on his back than this one right and he's what he's 12 in that movie 11 10
1: uh, when did it come out uh he was born in 92 that movie came out in He's like 13, he's like 12 13. or 13.
0: Yeah, 13, yeah, yeah. but he he is more, He that is a better audition tape for him as an action star than this film is, okay? Then yes. Twilight puts him in this like emotional uh, sort of lovesick uh, heartthrob mode, which we've said in our Twilight commentaries, what he should have done was gotten himself a Sparks. Yeah. He should have done a fucking Nicholas Sparks movie. Yeah. He should have doubled down on his female audience. He should have done the Channing Tatum thing. Yep. He should have taken his time and slowly built it up. Showed he could do comedy, this and that. Like, Chang Tatum, it took him a while before guys were accepting him in action movies. But this
1: is the thing. He could have. I refuse to believe that he couldn't have post-abduction. I think he could have. Maybe not. Maybe not. People really had their knives out for Twilight and, you know... Stewart and Pattinson—they went to ground. Like they just went to Europe and started making art movies. They were like, "Fuck yeah, 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 whatever." I'm not. I'm not doing Hollywood for a while. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you know, there was so much. Like people really reviled the The Twilight thing, unfairly, in my opinion, by and large. You know, but like, so maybe he couldn't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't well, know. I also just think there was this thing of selling
0: him as an action star before anyone had seen Proof of Concept. Yeah. And the idea that it was like, he had lined up five movies with multi-million dollar paydays before one of them had successfully come out, and then all of them fall by the wayside. But I do think there was just this thing of, everyone knew they wanted him to be An A-list action star, but no one had identified what his movie star persona was. And so it feels like both he, his internal pressure, and the team around him and everyone was just fucking flattening him out. Was just sort of going like, just be like normal. Be like John Normal Guy. Yeah. And, and you watch this performance and it does feel like everything he's doing is so overthought, every motion. Right.
1: Like, there's someone in his ear being like, normal, normal, yes. remember, yes. normal. And he's like, yep. mm-hmm, yes, yes, no feelings, <laughs> no thoughts.
0: Right, where you're just like, even to the degree where you're like, this guy should be getting more emotional about these things that he's finding out. His yeah. parents just died in front of him. In other scenes, you're like, he should be more aggressive. And everything is just kind of like, flattened.
2: Yeah, there's no edge at all. Uh, To your point, he doesn't and then this feels like a very conscious choice. He doesn't really kill anyone in this movie. This is an yeah. action movie
1: and, and it's they pretty take, bloodless. Yeah, they yeah.
2: really take care to, I, I, I would theorize, protect something of that kind of like uh, Twilight goody image. Yeah. When he fights the guy on the train, he kicks out a window and then hurls the guy out the window of a moving train. But then they they're very careful. Singleton is very careful to to show that the guy absolutely survives being thrown out of the train.
1: <laughs> Pretty unscathed. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, right. It would be better if he was like, again, if this was more of a straight up born thing and he was like snapping someone's neck 30 minutes in, but they just, they're, that's not what they want to do. They're too yeah. like, no, 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 no. Yeah, this but is- also
0: you, you, I feel like you could have your cake and eat it too, where it's like, this is some repressed side of his personality. Yeah. And it's coming out and he's like scared by it's his a own switch violence. switch flip.
1: Yeah, totally. Right.
0: I, I understand that you want him to be in Sweetie Pie mode, but that also gets into like the contradictory nature of what they're asking him to do in this film uh, and how kind of irrelevant his character largely is
2: uh, to your point about irrelevancy, so this movie is basically an extended chase scene. And then at the end after the uh, the reveal that one of the top CIA agents who has been working on this case is actually a bad guy. His name is on this this knock list that uh, that Taylor uh, Nathan has been carrying around and there's been a murder at PNC Park and and Nathan has been running from international assassins and the CIA shows up and they're like, okay, you can go Bye.
1: You're right. It's, We're it's a bit of a damp... <laughs> It's like oh Thanks it's for like, solving that mystery. Right. And like, you, sir, are under arrest. Like, you know, like Well, I I'm just like I'm looking
0: uh, at the the notes uh that the great JJ Birch uh assembled for us for this episode. Uh and th- he has these quotes here uh where, where was it where everyone's just so fucking confident
1: about the fact that this thing's going to be a franchise joe, joe drake yeah. who ran Lionsgate, is like this is our born yeah. the story is set up there's a great character there's going to be lots of places we're going to take it singleton's like we're going to do two or three movies like I, those guys me. david
3: david <laughs> david
0: i have to correct you i have to correct you because the specific wording here is so yeah. much worse than what you just it said It is. it's a bummer <laughs> Singleton's verbatim quote is: "I think we're gonna get at least two or three
1: movies out of this." <laughs> yeah, but it, it, and like at you can least. read that Bare like someone we're gonna is like
0: milk three out of squeezing
1: this an plate. orange, and they're like, "No, no, no, there, there's definitely <laughs> there's at another least three cups of it." Yeah, <laughs> you know. I uh, the funny thing is, uh, you know, Nick and uh, Nick and JJ point this out. It's like this is like a rough time for Lionsgate. They got a lot of crap. Uh, clogging up theaters, movies like uh, Conan, uh, the Conan remake, and mm-hmm. and this. And it's like, ah, shit. Like they Saw had been their money franchise, and Saw is finally gone. Right. And Warrior, which is fucking Warrior's a good quietly movie. one of the best
0: American films of the last 10 years. But they totally mishandled, bombed, and fucked up its Oscar campaign.
1: And they were so screwed, and they were pinning their hopes on this, among other things. And then The Hunger Games comes along like right after and like totally turns the studio around and that's like what they like they they found a real like you know young adult franchise that people actually Mm. cared about and like latched onto that versus like trying to kind of invent one out of whole cloth like out of nothing here and like who who gives a shit like what you'll you won't what's like what's his fucking name nathan price nathan harper Ugh. nathan price yeah but
0: but like it's it's committing the two cardinal sins of franchise building which is there's nothing interesting in the mythology of this movie and your lead character is completely unwritten like we don't want to follow yeah. this guy doing anything and there's nothing going on in the world at large that is compelling but
1: like you load this movie up, you know it's a singleton, and you always have that hope in the back of your mind when we're doing this podcast, especially, and we know a bomb is coming, yeah. but it's like, hey, this has been an interesting career, or an interesting director. You, you, and then, you always like,
0: want something to be a happy feat, too. You want to go yeah. like, wait, this is secretly a masterpiece. No one talked about
1: this. Right. <laughs> right. And then like li- all right, Taylor Lautner, okay, Lily Collins. I like Lily Collins. Alfred Molina, Jason Isaacs, Sigourney Weaver, Maria Bello, Michael yeah. Nyquist. You're like, oh shit, like everyone in this yeah. it, because and probably because it's Singleton, they're like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do a John Singleton movie. Like he still has enough, you know, juice. And John Singleton, you're like, the guy's gonna get on base, right? I know yeah, this right. thing's not right. a home yeah.
3: run.
2: It, yeah. I uh I have I can't say how I know this, but I but uh oh my God. as I understand it. Michael Nyquist, this is his first American movie. And
1: so, right, it's like right after the Dragon Tattoo movies
3: are. Correct. Are so, a thing.
2: And right. as I understand it, uh, Taylor and his manager were on a plane and they were watching Dragon Tattoo, and Taylor said, I want that guy in my movie. And that is how Michael Nyquist wow. came to book his first American wow. role.
0: So Taylor also made his career? I mean, honestly, good for Taylor Lautner. But that's like, that is also fascinating to me, right? That we talk about, and I understand they seem to be different people, right? They seem to have different objectives in their career. But Pattinson and Stewart very quickly start going like, gotta find the filmmaker. Right, right. I find the filmmakers I want to work with. I find the collaborators I want to work with. I trust them. The guy does seem to have some taste if he's watching Michael Nyquist on a plane and going, like, that should be the villain. Right? I mean, A, it seems like he's watching shit. I know that's not a deep cut, but like, he's no, watching foreign it's... movies and, and identifying actors and telling studios who to cast.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's right. I guess it's sort of, it's in one way, it's kind of hacked to see Michael Nyquist and be like, yeah, that guy should be like a Euro villain. But he kicked ass at that. You know, he yeah. should still be doing it. Mean, it's sad that he died. Like, he he should still be just churning out, like, because he just, Michael Nyquist just, like, puts a little salt on it. You know, it's just, like, a little bit better than it needs to be him playing, like, the sort of vaguely Russian guy who's, like, you know, bad.
0: Considering this is his... First American film, yeah. And then what? He dies in 2017?
1: Uh he died in 2017, yeah.
0: So in six years, he did A Mission Impossible and John Wick.
2: That's pretty like good. The, pretty good.
0: Yeah. For from this, you know, inauspicious start in American villain roles.
1: He got two two all-timers on the board. And he did a couple, you know, he did a bunch of other movies, and he's in yeah. a hidden life. That's a great scene. Like that he did that, you know, he's in that. That Gerard Butler, Gary Oldman submarine oh, movie Killer that I haven't Killer. seen, but I keep being like, sh- there's got to be something with that one, right? I mean, Gerard Butler, Gary Oldman submarines. I think s- Mike Ryan stands for that one pretty much. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, come on, there's got to be, that has to be a little fun. Common and Linda Cardellini are in it. Like, Oh, <laughs> fuck. Come on, you know, how bad could it be, right? It's directed by someone, He's directed by like a, an NBA two K Donovan Marsh, like with just a name wow. where you're like, that's just a computer created that name. That's nothing. Uh
0: I I've told the Michael Nyquist uh uh John Wick story on here before, right? Yeah. I've uh, just tell it again.
1: I would he, he, love to he hear got it. hurt. Yeah, I'll yeah,
0: t- yeah. It's, it's a quick story, but a lot of the crew uh, from the John Wick movies worked on the Tick and especially a lot of the hair and makeup team. Uh, there's one scene where Michael Nyquist is uh, talking to his grunts or whatever, and someone like pushes him up against a wall. And uh, they split his head open. The placement was just really fucking unlucky. And this, like, thug slams him up against a wall. And the back of his skull goes directly against, like, the corner of a pillar and uh uh cracks the skull open it starts bleeding profusely passes out people were like was there supposed to be a a blood rig for this scene it (laughs) takes them a moment to realize right so then like he's fucked thankfully he doesn't have serious brain injuries but they got stitched up his whole skull is like fucked right they have to like shave his head and full stitches down the front of his skull and the hair team is like freaking out because they're like we've shot half the movie the whole thing takes place in this compressed timetable right like the john wick movies are almost Happening in real time, we've shot all these scenes all over the chronology of the film, and he's got this look. And now we've shaved his head and he has this scar, and we can't put a wig over it. Not only is the wig gonna look fake, but we can't put it over it because the scar is too sensitive. And they were like freaking out in the makeup chair. And Michael Knife just goes, I wear a hat, and he takes a fedora (laughs) off the table and he puts it on and he wears it for the rest of the movie. And if you watch that film. Sometimes he has a fedora and sometimes he doesn't. That's how you can tell which scenes <laughs> were so shot good. before and after he got a skull crack. But he was just like, "I wear a hat. He's fine. Don't care." And they went, but you weren't wearing <laughs> the scene. I wear the I wear that. He put the hat on at some other place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the guy's got a hat. You know, the guy's got the hat sometimes. Put <laughs> not for emphasis sometimes.
0: Yeah, I just think that's a great story. Like he's just no nonsense. Like I, know, I put the hat on sometimes.
1: I love that. But here's the thing. About the great Michael Nyquist and like the other six good actors who are in this movie. Yes, <laughs> none of them are good. It's not no. their fault. Like you know, but like you're when they're cutting to Melina or Nyquist or Sigourney or whatever, you're like, okay, well, all right, good. Now, 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 I'm gonna get five minutes of of something, yeah. right? But they don't have anything to do either. They none of them has like Sigourney's
2: big move is to use mylar. Balloons, graduation balloons, wedding balloons, in order to shield Nathan Harper from being seen. That's what they gave her to do in her big like introduction reveal. I'm not your therapist. I'm actually a CIA agent. I've got 12 balloons. Stand behind them.
0: And then her her, her quote-unquote quippy action movie line after that is she releases these balloons so they cover up the security camera in the hospital. And then I believe she says, I hate balloons. Why? They just did you a favor. <laughs> seem fine. What's your problem? If you hate them that much, you don't have to use them for a fucking disguise. When get a
1: flower the, arrangement. There's a scene early, her big action scene, I get you know, is when they're, she's driving them and she's yeah. like, forget the girl. Jump. And she's saying like... I'm, you know, there's going to be one second. I'm going to, you know, drift this car around a corner over a bridge. There's going to be a ridge that you're going to jump over. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then he jumps onto what just looks like grass, like a a slight slope, like nothing. You know, I was expecting him to jump like into the air, (laughs) you know, maybe do like a roll or something. And like that is abduction. That's the whole movie is just it's kind of like a movie that watched The Bourne Identity and is like, yeah, we're doing that, but then they don't actually know how to do that.
0: But here's, like, what should the main juice of this movie be, right? I'd say, A, this kid figuring out who the fuck he is, what his history is, who his real parents are. You know, shit that, like, I imagine if Singleton had signed on to this and had actually been given, like, space and a fucking year to redevelop the script to his tastes, he probably would have honed in on thematically, right? You would have had anything in the first act of the movie about this fucking kid's relationship to his father and some sense of longing and anything that makes it like more of a rug pull when he finds out his parents aren't real and more of a longing actively throughout the rest of the movie trying to figure out where he does come from. But also, the juice of this movie should be, secondarily, Getting all these fucking pro actors, right, people who just fucking are in the pocket, know how to show up for something like this and just deliver the goods, getting tossed around from one to another with all of them saying, no, I'm the one you should trust. Yeah. Like, it should be that paranoia right. of... who, Right, Who, who's
1: telling you the truth?
0: Man, right. there's so right. many reliable veteran actors here that I
1: don't know who to believe. Right. right? Molina seems chill. But right. Sigourney's yeah. a legend. Like, what do I do? And I feel like that Sigourney
0: car scene is the only one that comes close to feeling like, hmm. Like, I when she's giving her, like, there are only four of us. Who's the name of the guy on the phone? Huh, that's Alfred Molina. Okay. He was my boss. He might not be anymore. She, she just is able to toss that off with enough of a quiet Sigourney confidence that I was like, this is the one time in the movie where I'm actually kind of interested in whether or not I can trust the adult figure in his life. Whereas every time Melina's on screen, I go, I don't know, whatever.
2: I mean, they, they blow it off the bat with the reveal. So uh, Kevin and Mara, uh, played by uh, Jason Isaacs and and Maria Bello, have been raising Nathan for 16 years secretly. He is not their son. He comes to realize that he is not their son, and he confronts sort of uh, Mara about it. And uh, she doesn't fight it at all. She's been keeping this secret for 16 years, and she's just like, yep. That's true. You're not my you're not uh, you're not our son. What? Like, can we? It's so bizarre.
3: (laughs) I'm also not your therapist. Right. (laughs) Who are you? Yeah.
0: But but also, it's such a deflation to like. (sighs) Try not to just criticize this movie for what I think it should have been instead. Right. But let's just say. If if there is the movie in which suddenly he realizes he can't trust anybody, right. that everybody's in on it, and the reveal that comes in the last 10 minutes is actually all these people cared about you a lot. You were not abducted. They were not villainous. These were all friends of your parents. They were in on it together to protect you and protect them, right? That's something. But to very quickly just have Maria Bella go— Yep, you're right. Yes, you are part of a weird conspiracy. I love you very much. I do genuinely love you as a mother. We're friends with your parents. I'm sorry, I'm going to take a bullet really quickly. I'm dead. Just feels like, well, you're not getting the ultimate payoff of his parents were really his parents. They did raise him, they did care for him. It wasn't an act. And you're also not getting the paranoia tension of, oh my God, my parents, who are they? Yes. Did they kidnap me? Do I hate them? Like you, the second the parents become a threat, they're immediately defanged and then killed. And then he's grieving them.
2: In, in five minutes. In act yeah. two, when he uh, refers to them, he calls them Kevin and Mara. He calls them by their name. He's a, He was raised by these two. Yeah. He loved them as yeah. parents. And within 20, less than 24 hours, he's already, the. I'm calling these people by their first names. They are not my parents.
1: He drops them. that's a fucking movie
0: like i don't need this big chase movie you can make a thriller that is a dude realizes he's the kidnapped kid and spends a movie trying to figure out whether or not his adoptive parents are criminals right that's probably what this fucking script was in the first place if it's described as hitchcockian and someone had any interest in it off a spec script
1: yeah that's the structure of the face on the milk carton act one is her being like why is my face on this milk carton are my parents bad Right. And then act two is the dam finally breaks, but there's a lot of tension. And the parents are like, no. This is the situation you were dropped out to spoil the face in the milk carton but you were dropped off at her front door by our real daughter. Right. But and and she was your mother. And then act 3 reveals that's not true either but the parents didn't know it. And like it's perfect. It, you know, it's got two Hitchcocky and like about turns. Whereas this is like you're actually the son of a super spy and then the final twist is like and also he had some data like he had a list. Right. That's the second twist. Who cares? But also
0: as you said it's truly within the span of 5 Minutes that he confronts his it's mom about cool. it. Yeah, she owns up to it with radical transparency and emotional honesty, and then gets murdered.
2: You know, it's a movie that does the thing that you're talking about. You're both talking about really well. It, it, uh, for you know, it's not necessarily a good movie, but I think it does it th- this kind of thing pretty well. It's running on empty. Just running on empty. The- oh. That's, yeah, the, kind, that's right. the kind that's of, oh, movie. I am not yeah. who I thought I was. There's this, inc- there's yeah. this long, long backstory yes. that I had no idea about. I'm just learning about it now. It explains a lot of things. Pieces fall into place over the course of the movie. Yeah.
3: Uh, and
2: it seems like maybe this, or the original script was something like the river Phoenix uh, vehicle running mm-hmm. on empty where he, mm-hmm. uh, but, but apparently not. Apparently they decided to go a different way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just all the wrong decisions. I mean, it's also yeah. just like even just in terms of I think how poorly this movie sets up the central romance, right? <laughs> of just like, uh, okay, so you start cold open at a party. <laughs> right. Here's John Singleton. He's done some great fucking teenager party yeah. scenes, right? Like the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking about the fucking doughboy backyard party. Yeah. And boys in the hood and how there's a sense of actual like life and vibrancy there. I feel like he gets the social energy of a party, the dynamics of it feels like there's a density to it. This is just randomly cutting to different background extras, background actors, just kind of glibly like giving a thumbs up and holding a red solo cup. Right. Like it just feels so nonspecific. He's talking to his best friend about fake IDs. Yeah. And then, like, there's the next door girl that he's always had a crush on. She's got this jerky boyfriend. They get in a fight. Taylor Lautner sort of, like, gets in his face. He passes out in the front lawn with his shirt off. His dad comes and picks him up embarrassed. Then he gets assigned to a school project with her. She comes over, immediately goes, hey, check out this cool website. (laughs) The website's a phishing scam just for him. Then when he solves the mystery, he goes over to her because she's the only person he trusts. And then they're off. And the movie like never kind of digs into like the the what should be I guess the fucking like Peter Parker Mary Jane I'm right. the sweet boy who's never had the courage to tell you I've had a crush on you this whole time while you've dated a bunch of jerky guys
2: even even after the the roller coaster ride starts there's that that love that romantic uh, relationship. It doesn't track within itself i mean they, so they spend the night after diving out of uh, their th- the therapist's car they spend the night yeah. in the woods holding each diving other is
1: strong okay they hop out yeah they hop out
2: uh they spend the night in the woods on a blanket uh she uh as she's uh, As they're sleeping, spooning together, she tells him that he's been crying in his sleep. Then they get on the train, uh, you know, 20 minutes later in the movie and they get to the cabin and they're like, oh, this is weird. This is awkward, isn't it? Now we're spending uh, time alone. You guys, why is it weird? You you slept in the woods, spooning each other.
0: (laughs) Also, they've (laughs) known each other since they were six. Like it's like this movie has. The energy of their dynamic as if they were, she was the new girl at school and on her first day she got assigned to his lab partner and they're getting to know each other in real time. But the movie is actually telling us that they've known each other for fucking 10 plus years and just have never crossed that threshold.
1: This is the problem though. Look, like, uh, as Courtney Weaver, when they're in the car says, like, dump the girl, you don't, you know, you don't need Mm -hmm. that, right? And then there, that's supposedly there's that's the rift between them a little bit. Is she's like, well, did, you know, maybe you should have gotten rid of me, like, right. didn't You know, like. And the answer to that is like, absolutely, he should have gotten rid of you. You yes. provide nothing. You're not helpful. Not not in a rude way. It's just like, what are you doing here? You're yes. in danger. <laughs> like, just go home. You're not involved in this at all. And in so like, what should be binding them together is electrifying chemistry. Like that should be well, like, yeah, of course. You should go home for your own safety, but I think, you know, I can't resist you. And instead, it's like, yeah, it's like they they got told by their biology teacher they have to be together. And they're like, OK, right. You know, like they're, they're not there's nothing going on between them. No. And she's cute. I love Lily Collins. Emily in Paris. Well, I think about I that fucking
0: scene in the first Raimi Spider-Man movie. Where he's taking out the garbage and she's walking out of her home with her shitty dad yelling at her. And it's like that scene is like what you fucking need in a movie like that to just set up immediately all the history. This is the first time that Mary Jane is actually kind of seeing Peter in a different way. Right. That he's sort of starting to show how much he's actually paid attention to her over the years. But it's like simultaneously establishing the history of these two characters their adjacent lives this line that's never gotten crossed and both of them considering the potential for the future and it's like that doesn't take long that's a three minute scene but this movie doesn't do any of those scenes like the closest thing it does to that is the scene where jason isaac trains taylor lautner but it feels like that's the most they invest in setting up any of these relationships
1: in a movie that's all about who can you trust. You, you, the scene you're talking about, Griffin, like those are movie stars. Like I know yeah. that at the time, maybe you wouldn't say like, oh, you know, these guys are, are but, the, you know,
0: but that's why that versus, movie works because they directly yeah, I mean, identified the yeah, movie yeah. stars. <laughs>
2: they made movie stars. Yes. The movie, I, I feel like attempts to do that In a really ham handed way when they're at the party, you know, Nathan is at the party and then all of a sudden uh, uh, Karen shows up with this completely we never meet him boyfriend who is standing next to her. And she
0: the Flash Thompson.
2: Yeah, the Flash Thompson. She locks eyes with Nathan. There's what is I I guess they were trying to generate electricity in that moment. And the boyfriend looks at her like how I can see that you love this person. And that's really it. That's. That's the only suggestion that Lily is unhappy in her life, that there's something else that only Nathan can can fill for her.
0: Well, this movie also has some, some oddly stylized zooms right because you consider this is a born ripoff it's in the wake of those movies being so big and the green grass style kind of dominating this type of thriller and like something like the taken trilogy is sort of the inept version of that where it's just a thousand cuts and these quick zooms in all of that but you're sort of getting into like docudrama style right this movie has these zoom ins that feel like they're out of fucking nashville like they're (laughs) these like weird Sort of like pointedly artificial Altman zooms where one of them is uh, uh, pushing in on um, uh, Lily Collins as she dramatically rips up the photo of her and her boyfriend in half, which is that's how you know she doesn't like him anymore. But then she also (laughs) says to Taylor Lautner like I gave you that look at the party because I was hoping you could kick him in the head and then he's like what do you mean and she's like I live next door to you I watch you doing that shit with your dad Which is also just a very bizarre dynamic of just like, okay, we live next door to each other. We don't talk that much. I watch you doing weirdly aggro physical training with your father. (laughs) I imagined if I gave you the nod, I could perhaps unleash you attack dog style.
1: I'm reading, look, this is sad, sort of, but like, this is a quote from a Taylor Lautner profile. It took a long time to decide what the first movie outside the franchise was going to be. I wanted it to be special. You go with your passion and what your gut tells you. I mean, the quotes these people are giving is about a different movie. Like Singleton in that piece is like, this is it. This is that first starring role people don't know to expect from Taylor. And when they see it, they're going to be like, whoa, I get that you have to sell your movie. There's no way anyone watched the rough cut of Abduction and was like, he's burning up the screen yeah i can't no, no, believe no, no. this like you know yeah. i you know uh, i the, this denzel whitaker denzel whitaker plays uh his his pal right his mm-hmm. friend uh right. probably know him best for playing forrest whitaker young forrest whitaker in black panther despite not mm-hmm. being related to forrest whitaker despite yes. having the name whitaker anyway but he also like, he's...
0: by the way play forrest whitaker's son in the great debaters a film directed by denzel washington <laughs> <laughs> he is related to neither of them yes
1: um uh let me explain the pandemonium that Taylor has. He has like three to 400 fans coming out each and every day, showing up with posters, showing him love. Uh, The cool thing about him is he loves his fans. He's humble about it. Hollywood hasn't gotten to him. That's the type of dude he is. We, We like, you know, he's just like, everyone seems to like the guy. Like every, everyone is giving these quotes that are basically like, he's friendly. He's, he's sweet. Like he's not being changed by this insanity or whatever. Like, I don't know, yeah, it's 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 just sort of it's a, it's a bummer that that there's there's absolutely nothing in this movie that I could speak for. Yeah.
3: He's kind of boring and he's a bad actor. And whatever. yeah just, work I mean, but it also I mean, let's let's point out
0: there's also this quote for him where he's talking about like what he wants to do in his career, right? And he's saying like, my dream is to continue to challenge myself in a wide variety of roles and genres. I like having fun with comedy. It's so like Valentine's Day, funny or die SNL. He does a fucking funny or die video. That's a field of dreams around this right. time. He has a little part in Valentine's Day. I remember him being solid Cute. on SNL, like not great, but like he was trying. He was goofy. He was not protective of his image. And that felt like, oh, he's yeah. like kind of charming when he's not flattening himself out trying to play a movie star, you know? And I feel like that also, to a certain degree, like the Twilight movies become so posy. I mean, we've talked about how, like, um, Pattinson and Stewart both get really flattened out as those movies go along, and it took them until after the career to sort of get their mojo back, and it feels like he permanently got kind of, maybe just because he was so young and had done so much less work before it, but so caught up in that mode of just, like, it's your angles, it's how to do, like, the right kind of grimace, you know? Like, just how to hold your close-up. I mean, I it, watching this movie, it feels like his motivation in every scene is be a movie star, mm, as opposed right. to any sort of trackable psychology of what this character is going through. And the character is admittedly going through a fucking lot.
1: Going through a lot, but reacting to none of it, and the script isn't really let. <sighs> I guess the script is letting him. I don't know. My my deep question is if anyone is good in this movie. Like as I as I said before, like you know if there's
2: the good people uh, have nothing to work with.
1: Yeah, and I think Sigourney's the best, and she's got the least to do in a way. Like if Pattinson is in this movie, and I don't think Pattinson was even the actor. He's become a better actor. You know, like it's not like he was absolutely ready to just sort of coast on charm in 2011. I mean, in the Twilight movies, he looks like he wants to die. Right. Remember Me, Pattinson is more compelling than Abduction Lautner. Is Kristen Stewart better? Yes. Like, is he better? Yes. Does that make the movie good? No. No, I mean it would be it would be a shame. D-
2: Dermot Mulroney's lips are in this. Like, it can, <laughs> you know, they sure
1: are. Can we talk, and, about, the can we talk about the choice? I recognize them.
2: Can we talk about the choice of just never revealing? Why would you book Dermot Mulroney <laughs> as Nathan's so father yeah. and have shoot his lips only, and then not reveal that he is the father?
0: It's a guy with a distinctive voice and
1: distinctive lips too. I recognize his lip. I, so is it the swagger of a movie that's like, baby, this is part one. Like, get right. ready I, right. for abduction, abduction two, reabduction. You know, like, get ready. Yeah, we have Mulroney in this for a second because he's you know signed for three more. It's like, is it like Alita having Edward Norton at but the that, end?
0: But, but David, that's the whole point. I would buy that if it was Edward Norton revealed as his father. I know. Like no disrespect to Dermot Mulroney, who is an actor I like a lot, but
1: he is not someone where the audience is going to go oh shit if you I, reveal him. Okay, but I don't want to be rude to Dermot Mulroney who we are now bagging on despite we I all like, like his lips. We I all like-, like his but do you think they were like, "Let's get a big actor?" They called forty actors who were like, yeah. "What? No?" <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and then Mulroney was like, "Sure, yeah, okay. Yeah. What it's a day. It's an hour of work. Fine. Like, and maybe I'm in the next one, okay?
0: Let's also acknowledge that that thing almost never works. Like when Edward Norton shows up at the end of Alita, people go, who is that? Like, is that Edward Norton? Am I supposed to know who that character is? You don't really recognize him because he looks weird in it. Another example of this is Killian Murphy being inexplicably in one scene at the beginning of Tron Legacy, yeah. and you're yeah. like, okay, so is he supposed to be the villain in the next one? He's overqualified. John, for Johnny this. Depp
2: in Fantastic Beasts is maybe the best of version of that. Just, I
1: mean, and, and and that's a disaster. They they yeah. shackled themselves to right. him like. <laughs>
0: Not only like that, you have a good
1: guy giving a good performance the whole fucking movie and then the twist at the end is now he's a shittier person, But I that. mean, the, the, the Fantastic Beasts <laughs> thing is a good call because it's like the confidence that movie has with yes. like, you don't even know. Colin Farrell is A, but we've got an A plus lister and yes. it's Johnny Depp. And everyone's like, oh no, God, this is the, oh, like now we're stuck with him. He has to be in like four more of these. Is it Mickelson is doing it now? Correct. The look correct. is so bad, yeah. The look is so
0: bad. I think we made uh, the joke that it looks like he was given five minutes to rummage around in a costume bin before right. filming. And he's like,
1: uh, one eye is weird. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. Earring. <laughs> I mean, the Alita thing is a good one because, like, my wife loves Edward Norton. Like, anything, yeah. and, and she, the, that's all she leaves the movie. It was like, why was Edward Norton there? What's he right. doing? Where is why will there be more Edward Norton? Why was there not more Edward Norton?
0: It always just ends up either feeling like a tease or being distracting and confusing.
1: Um abduction. This is a bad movie. We got guys. We are out of things to talk about with abduction. Yeah, it's a terrible think, right? Thing. right? Like Yes. Yeah, like I'm is to there think of any, just literally
3: anything <laughs> else?
1: <laughs> um yeah you know,
2: it's I, a bu- it's ter- ahead, it's Jason. really terrible I, I just wanted to call out a, f- a few fun things you know it's it's please it's absolutely it's superfluous now to just bag on plot holes but i oh, but please. i feel that i must uh i love the fact that one of the way that the way that nathan confirms that he is that child is he finds the exact shirt he was wearing on the day he was abducted oh. in his basement <laughs> uh, the pair the kevin and mar uh, uh kevin and mara kept it for some reason they didn't destroy Throw it, it away it's got the stain <laughs> the same stain that's visible on it I love that. I love the fact that when he's fighting the assassin on the train, as the guy's got his hands around his throat, Nathan, then hears his father's voice. You got to dig deep. You know, you got to come on now. You can do this. And he's calling what he's doing in that moment is calling back to the times that his father would beat his ass in the front yard. Like that's <laughs> the
0: inspiration he's calling. on. Well, and also like not to uh, uh, fucking compare a better version of this movie in a way again but like hannah spends so much fucking time with eric banna in isolation training this girl right like it gives you a lot of time to really build that relationship the question of like who is she why is she so shielded from the world and really selling you that once shit hits the wall, uh, she knows how to cope for herself. You believe that Sierra Ronan can can fight all these fucking people because you've seen the degree to which she's trained. Whereas this is just like, I don't know, the, the level of training Jason Isaacs does for Taylor Lautner in this movie reminds me of my dad trying to teach me how to toughen up because kids yeah. were mean to me at school.
1: <laughs> come on, come on. Hit me here and then here.
0: Right, I, like this was like shit my dad would make me do to be like, you should know at a box. And yeah. I was just
1: like, I don't know, please let
0: me watch cartoons.
1: Casting... Isaacs and having him just have that material again speaks to like a Hitchcock movie that's not there, where there's 40 minutes of like, what's up with my dad? Jason Isaacs has a creepy vibe. Like, no offense to Jason Isaacs. He's good at playing that. Like, do I trust this guy? You know, like he's good at that. And instead, no, forget it. Don't tell me that he's actually good and then kill him immediately
0: (laughs) and then have a movie left, an hour left.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, like it's the biggest. This movie would be completely, we would never speak of it had Singleton not made it.
0: Yes. No. Correct. It's one of the most anonymous movies we've ever covered on this show. It
2: it would be like, you know, what is the knockoff version of Mark Wahlberg's Sniper? It's like that kind of action movie, but like the C-level version of that B-level, B-minus. Right,
1: exactly. Like of an action movie that you barely remember. Yeah. And like- you know that we've gone through in the over. You know, obviously the Luke Cage movie, like the the, the many movies that like uh Singleton was so attached to, like eight the A team. The one that JJ dug up
0: that I'd forgotten about. Mm. He was at one point supposed to direct Wheelman because oh. Singleton the, the was game, was right. considering several video game adaptations. He almost did. What's the the Snoop Dogg one called? Um, uh, the Sphere and Respect
1: is the Snoop Dogg one, yes.
0: But he almost did Wheelman, which was Vin Diesel's video game when Vin Diesel wanted to become a multimedia artist, which of course he became. Right, which was yeah. supposed to be a proof of concept for a movie and never happened, but the game's fun.
3: Right. What's up with the Wheelman? Oh, it rules. He's a fucking
0: cool guy. And he drives cars. Vin Diesel had the idea <laughs>
3: oh, okay. in I 2009. He was like a tire or no, something.
1: he
0: was like, what if I made a franchise about me driving cars? Um, but I just look at JJ, pull up some more specifics here. The, the Singleton files the $20 million lawsuit against Paramount in 2011, right? Uh, mm. The same time, the same year that this movie comes out, rather. And then Paramount uh, countersued. Uh, he claimed that they reneged on the deals by adding extra conditions that made uh his uh terms impossible to fulfill, and it became what the Hollywood Reporter called the chicken or the egg controversy, which was did Singleton have to complete two films to get Paramount's distribution guarantee, or did Paramount have to guarantee distribution to get Singleton <laughs> to complete Christ. the two films? <laughs> what a they stupid just, industry! Right. It's like fucking Brazil yeah. Harry Tuttle bullshit that they caught him up with, <laughs> and uh. He claims that the two things he was supposed to do were a Tracy... That he was supposed to produce, rather, to fill the deal. Aside from all the movies they didn't let him direct, were a Tracy Morgan concert film directed by Spike Lee and a D. Ray Davis movie, which would have been him doing another uh, sort of mentoring a young filmmaker. And they ended up settling at the final year, the following year, rather, for less than $20 million. Um, But, it, you know, I think... uh, I've I've talked about it in several episodes, but um, uh, Shane Salerno wrote a really interesting um, uh, obituary for him on Deadline when he passed away. And he talked about how he just kind of got so fucking pissed off at the industry after that. He bought a boat. He loved the
1: water and was like, I don't know, man, I just want to sail around. I I forgot about the other. There is one other project that the Tupac movie. That, yes. that re- I think that's the one that really broke him because obviously he knew Tupac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he Tupac was in his movies. He was attached to make the Tupac movie and like whatever was forced out because of creative differences and like got on Instagram and was like, people don't take him seriously. You know, they're trying to fuck up his legacy. You know, like he mm-hmm. and like John Singleton making a Tupac movie seems like a slam dunk. It's pretty yeah. weird. And like, of course that movie, Carl Franklin got signed and then Benny boom made that movie. That is God awful and still made money because people were yeah. just like, there's a Tupac movie. Like yes. I want to see that. Like, remember when that movie, they like, didn't screen it for critics. They like dumped it in theaters and it like made like $50 million. Cause people were like, cool. Like there's a Tupac movie. And, like, imagine if Singleton had gotten to do that before he died, at least. I, I'm going to get the numbers wrong here, but I remember
0: being with you getting bagels after recording a podcast episode on, like, a Friday or a Saturday morning, right? And I pulled up Deadline, and I went, like, the Tupac movie made $20 million <laughs> opening day? <laughs> and you and I were like, is this thing a blockbuster? And then it made, like, $30 million for the weekend. Right.
1: It, it dropped off fast.
0: But people, you know, showed up for, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, for for the worst execution of that. Right. And then after this, he does he does his 30 for 30 episode, which is not much loved, but he does his episode of uh, People versus OJ, which is arguably the best, I think, of that series. And then that gets him back in the FX fold. He sets up Snowfall and he was pushed off of Snowfall within the first season. He was fired off of that show before
1: he passed away. Is that true? I, I, I It's interesting. Yes. I mean, I, Snowfall is still on, right? Do you guys want... Has anyone seen Snowfall? Jason, have you seen... I have not watched it's it, one but of I, the, People talk about it. People are like, oh, Snowfall kind of got good. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I I don't know anything about it, apart from that it's, you know, set in L.A. and the crack epidemic. Like, you know, that's... I just know it's sort of a broadly, you know, historical show. That's all I know.
0: I, I'm trying to find the timeline on this because... Uh... I feel like people often talk about now like, well, he had set up Snowfall. If he had still lived, he s- still would have been doing Snowfall. But I vividly remember the Deadline story that was like, there's a new showrunner now. He
1: directed the finale of season two, though. So he at least... Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, He was involved before until he died, basically. Maybe he was just
0: deprived. He was... uh, uh I don't know. I, I think he had more control over it and at some point. Pushback. Maybe it was after season two. I'm going to find this while
1: we talk about other shit. Uh, But yeah, that's it. Jason, I didn't even ask you, like, Singleton in general. Are you a fan? Like, you know, how do you feel about his other movies?
2: Uh, I I am a big fan of John Singleton. I mean, obviously, Boys in the Hood is a that's an iconic. That's an iconic. Legitimately an iconic film that has been that's important to me. It's important to many people. And it's kind of a, a touchstone. In cinematic history, for uh, for people our age, and I and uh, it's a shame. I can't, it's a shame that this is his last movie. Too fast, too I furious. I like it. It's not that you know, four brothers. I had fun with. I like his. I like his movies.
1: He's got this two-chunk career. It's like, you know, his first chunk is these serious movies that are all at least interesting and some of them are fantastic. And then the second half is Shaft.
2: Shaft I saw in the theater. I liked it, you know. Yeah, you
1: know, Shaft, Too Fast, Too Furious, Four Brothers, you know, like where it's like, yeah, he's making genre movies, he's making action movies, he's he's good. Four Brothers has good action. Like Too Fast has good action. The action in this stinks. I don't know if it's, a Taylor Lautner problem I don't know if it's a budget problem I don't know if it's a prep problem but like the action in this is pretty like you know I, could, I mean your eye just slides off the screen it's just it's just that kind of a movie where you're just like what else is going on like, yeah
2: Griffin said inert uh, yeah. earlier and 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 that is the case there is I again yeah I have no idea what happened none of us do but I've, it, it really feels like one of those situations where there was this simply too many voices like obviously one of the one of the big goals of this movie was to launch taylor lautner as a as a as a film star uh, i'm sure john singleton came into this with with some other ambitions that he wanted to do uh, it seemed like the studio was was you know hinging their their economic future on the success of this movie there was just a lot of masters that this film was trying to serve and it ended up serving all of them extremely poorly
0: it also feels like this movie (laughs) doesn't want to make a single specific choice and a thing to consider is here's john singleton he's had this bizarre career arc right he's still a fucking young dude he makes too fast too furious which is kind of like roundly mocked by everyone shaft, which is supposed to start a franchise and doesn't right. Uh, then uh, uh, four brothers, which is supposed to get a sequel and doesn't, but was sort of seen as something of a comeback for him. Um, and then, uh, you know, the hustle and flow thing, give him this boost yeah, and then definitely. he's just stuck sitting yeah. on a bench for five years. I think it was so fucking frustrating for him that this was truly just like a movie to get made to get himself back out there because it truly is in this stupid fucking industry. Like, it's, it's, it's people, an idiotic industry. It's 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 the you know what have you done lately? Shit, where like if you just haven't worked in a little while, people assume that something must be wrong. And I think he felt like he needed to break the curse in some way.
2: And and clearly, listen, you know, uh, you mentioned Carl Franklin earlier. Carl Franklin, yeah, great director. Carl uh, Franklin, one false move is as taut and as. Knife's Edge, it's so good. A, a thriller as as you can come up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a guy who basically, uh, other than uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, you know, which came out kind of after that really just kind of like dropped off the map in terms of like a, an awareness of his films. So I I would imagine being a black director in Hollywood is somehow mixed in this formula because the idea that John Singleton would ever struggle in his career after coming out of the gates the yeah. way he did uh is is really honestly kind
0: of crazy. Yeah look here's another thing that must have been infuriating to Singleton. This movie comes out in 2011. It's the same year as Fast 5. Yeah. Right? He's Mm. watching this franchise that people say he killed now becoming like the franchise. And not only that, but like Fast Five is the one where they're reintegrating the characters that he developed, the actors that he cast. The franchise is starting to come back around and start to reintegrate some of the cartoonishness that he was the first to put in. exactly. Yeah. Right. I think that must be super fucking frustrating to him. I think he's seeing all these guys that he launched who are still working at like a big level, right? Uh, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, you talk about like the Carl Franklin thing, Carl Franklin had, you know, this big indie movie, right? And then he had this like good fucking movie star thriller, but Singleton came out the gate with like a fucking culture defining Mastery- movie. Yes, He's getting reported on MTV news. You know, he's like a youth icon. Yes. He's a box office and he's fucking awards and he's all this shit. He never was going to be able to fly under the radar. And I think to some degree, he probably felt the weight of being John Singleton, everything needing to be a John Singleton movie. And he talked about how he wanted to make junkier movies and thrillers and shit because he didn't want to be boxed in. He wanted to make sci-fi movies. He wanted to make comic book movies. He wanted to do all this different sort of shit. And then he got stuck in this uh, fucking rut. I want to correct myself here. The Snowfall thing, which I remembered is... They shot the pilot, which Singleton directed and wrote, and then FX, before picking up the show, demanded reshoots, rewrites, and cast changes, and he was not rewriting or directing the reshoots. So in my mind, I was like, oh, he was pushed off the show, but then he stayed on it. I think he had all controlling power at the beginning, and then became one of the people. Billy Magnuson was one of the people he cast at the beginning, who was then recast.
1: Dumb. Billy, Billy Magnuson's good. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, but, yeah, I don't know, the, the whole the the singleton thing is odd. I mean, this is a thing...
1: I mean, If people don't remember, he was 51 years old when he died. He's 40-whatever. He's in his early 40s when he makes this movie. Like, yeah. some people, that would be the first time they get to direct, they'd be in their right. 40s. Like, you know
0: there's eight years
1: in between this movie and his death. And there's like a lot of time a wasting. Yeah, I know. Right. That's a
0: bummer. <laughs> and I uh, look, the, the Chancellor, I thing. he talks about how he just like loved the, the ocean, gotten his boat all the day, read comic books, went and go, uh, would go see movies with his friends. And the last couple of years, he was feeling a little bit re energized, re energized rather. And he was started to reach out. And we've seen reports of this, of shit with like him reaching out to Tyrese and, uh, taraji and saying like maybe it's time for some kind of follow-up you know he was starting to kind of poke at things yeah. a little bit it feels like inevitably there would have been some second win for him um david yeah did you see this thread posted on our reddit by full credit here a user named got we gotta go fast 1138 which is a good username.
1: Uh, no or if i did what what's the
0: thread The thread is, and this is a really kind of heavy thing to consider, okay? The thread is what every blank check director's last film would have been if they passed at John Singleton's age. So this is to consider in terms of how young he was and the fact that he started so goddamn young that he got this many films made, okay? Here is every director we've covered and how their career would have ended if they died at John Singleton's age. M. Night Shyamalan, old. Wow. Rip. Rip. Wow, the Wachowskis, Jupiter Ascending. Sure. Cameron Crowe, Elizabeth Town. <laughs> Ouch. James Cameron, Aliens of the Deep. Steven Spielberg, Amistad. Nolan, tenet Catherine Bigelow, K nineteen, The Widowmaker. So there's your first example of someone who makes their definitive movie after the age, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, Paul Verhoeven. Robocop. Damn. He was Singleton's death age when he made his first American movie. Right. James L. Brooks, Broadcast News. Wow. Brad Bird, Ratatouille. Ang Lee, Brokeback Mountain. Nancy Myers, <laughs> What Women Want, her second movie. Wow. Tim Burton, Corpse Bride. Oh, well, that's kind of depressing to consider. Michael
1: Mann, <laughs> Last of the Mohicans. Wow. Yeah, he was old. He's, I yeah. mean, yeah, he, he got started late, obviously. H- Hayao
0: Miyazaki, Porco Rosso. Wow. Demi, Philadelphia. George Miller, Lorenzo's Oil. Nora Ephron, This Is My Life, her first movie. Gina Prince-Bythewood is now the same age as Singleton when he died, The Old Guard. Zemeckis, Castaway. Musker, Clemens, Treasure Planet. Elaine May, Mikey, and Nicky. Wow. It's, look, he died too young. It's You're, a mind. You know, obviously. obviously.
1: He
3: was 51 yeah. years old.
1: Yeah. Griffin, let's play the box office game for for Abduction. Jason. uh, Wait,
3: you don't want to talk about the plot or revisit anything else in the movie (laughs) Abduction?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jason, this movie came out September 23rd, 2011, and Mm I'm going to, Griff's going to try and guess the top five at the box office this week. Abduction opened number four, which is not great because there are four movies opening this week. Yeah. And it's not the highest opener it opened to 10.9 million dollars it grossed 28 domestic yeah uh, 86 worldwide yeah when when they say 96 they're including video sales oh boy it, oh, it, it was it was not a hit the movie the movie
2: did uh, not but it, it was not an egregious
1: no. No. Because no. it did not cost that much. Right. Exactly. Yes. It was cheap to
0: make. But, but yeah. also that's very telling if they're including video sales to juice up their total and it still wasn't a hundred million. It still doesn't hit a
1: hundred. Yeah. Uh number one though at the box office is a movie that came out nine hundred and two weeks ago. David. That's f- fifteen years. Yes. It's so it's a re release? Mm-hmm. Is of it a, of a of a famous movie?
0: Is it the three D Lion
1: or- King? It's, it's the 3D Lion King. $21 million. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and this is its second weekend? It's its second weekend. It came out the weekend yeah. before. People went to see that shit. I didn't see that shit. Look, David, people, no like, offense.
0: To, people like to clown on old Griffy Nooms, but when I predicted that yeah. the fucking John Favreau Lion King would be the highest grossing film in history, it was largely because... Yeah, yeah, I was, but I just want to say... The data that was heavily factoring into my prediction was this was like a a bizarrely successful re-release. It made another $90 million. People
1: love The Lion King. They love that Lion King. That
0: one's good. And also it like exploded overseas. The 3D re-release in a lot of uh, territories where b- movie going had not been as big yeah, in but the I mean,
1: 90s. Griffin, here's the thing. The shitty, awful Lion King remake that looks like shit made $1.6 billion. Yeah. Right. It did great. Right, so <laughs> you can say dumb
0: prediction, Griff, but that's how much money that movie fucking made. You were made. saying it was
1: going to do better than Avatar. Look, I want to really remind you
0: that I made that prediction before <laughs> there was a single image release. I, I, I know. I My know, prediction only looked foolish all when right. we knew the movie would look like a bowl of farts. So we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> it was a no guts, no glory prediction.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lion King uh, 3D, huge hit. Lion King 3D. Okay, so number and then two. And Disney is started gr- re-releasing all the other things in 3D, and no one went to any of them other than me. No one cared. Right, yeah. the Phantom Menace 3D, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, number two is a re- is new this week. Is a great movie hmm. that has only... I feel like grown as like hmm. a cable classic hmm. as sort of an art movie classic. It's oh, a sports film. It's a best picture nominee. It's kind of like, there's nothing like this movie. There, there Money are Ball? no sports movies. It's Moneyball. Oh, wow. I mean, one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Yeah. Like how many sports movies that like could, could also play on fucking TNT. Oh, And play at the Metrograph and, like, be an Academy Award nominee. You know what I mean? Like,
0: I I think that movie is a fucking masterpiece. And my three least favorite subjects in the world are sports, numbers,
1: and money. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Moneyball? Do you like Moneyball? I love
2: Moneyball. I think it's a great film. I think it does something uh, really magical, which is... uh, make something that is so fucking boring numbers and baseball yeah into a you know like that kind of everything you know about this is wrong kind of triumphant,
1: triumphant you know, underdog like, yeah.
2: yeah rationality it, it's yeah. both
0: emotional and cinematic and you hear yeah. the stories about like the version that Soderbergh was trying to do and it was like this and like bananas like there's a cartoon clippy on screen breaking things right and, like, like David would, Justice
1: plays himself, all the stuff like that. Right, yeah. like
0: it would have been like The Laundromat, a movie I only I like, right? And then somehow fucking Bennett Miller figured out a way to make this thing work as like kind of a, a classic
1: 70s new Hollywood movie. So good. So Moneyball... Opening big, doing well, yeah. kicking abductions ass. Yeah. Opening to twenty million dollars. Still, I mean, still um, getting whooped a little bit by Simba, but sure. Yes, it's, it's true. Not not knocking off Simba. Number three is a, an inspirational movie. Hmm. Um animal movie. Also new this week. Also Fuck. kicking abductions ass.
0: It's a live action animal movie. Mm-hmm. It's Whoa. not it's not dolphin tail, is it?
1: It is Dolphin
0: Tale. Wow. Tail, wow. Right? Dolphin Tale was a fucking sleeper because it's opening number three and it goes all the way to $100 million.
1: Right. It was one of those word of mouth, inspirational. Yeah. Word Connick of tale. Jr., Ashley Judd. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman's got a hat on the poster. Uh, <laughs> David, I said- And a, a bow tie. I said word of tale. Word of tale. Yeah, thank you. Right. So the dolphin doesn't- have a tail right that's what it's about like they give right. him like they a... have to
0: build a robot tail for the dolphin so he can go back in the water and the dolphin tail too he falls in love with a different dolphin I think Charles Martin Smith great. directed those movies
1: <laughs> right uh, the, the, the guy from the untouchables right yeah yeah right yeah uh, all right number number four is abduction number five also knew this week whoever decided to open this against abduction idiotic another action movie that no one remembers um Hmm. What can I tell you about this movie? It it stars a uh, multiple Oscar winner. Whoa. Is it the gunman? Uh, nope. Um That's a good it guess. Stars Come on, you gotta give good, me credit that, for that. It's you. that kind of movie. It's that kind of movie. So it's, it's like, a
0: post Neeson, should we get other highbrow actors to be in an action movie? But,
1: no, it's three actors.
0: Fuck. It's like action oh. star oh. oscar oh. winner and oh. then kind of in between oh. yes oh i hold on i'm going to be able to name the three actors before i remember the title of the film
1: okay please this,
0: this is the one that has
1: like de niro yes. statham yes
0: and then the third guy <laughs> fuck
1: he, he's like a fa- he like a not james bond like he's like a clive owen you know clive owen yes yeah
0: and it's not called it's not called like hunt to kill right
1: <laughs> no, although the tagline is "May the best man Live," so my guess right. is they're they're against each other i I don't know Fuck. uh it's- the movie <sighs> is called Killer Elite.
2: Oh, right. oh, Killer Elite! Right. Yeah.
1: Killer Elite. Uh, right. Jason, have you seen Killer Elite? I have. I, not I've seen. seen I've Elite. seen a
2: few minutes on Kill- of Killer Elite. I believe Killer Elite is streaming on Amazon Prime. I might be wrong about that, but I. No, that, but, that,
1: but, oh, everything you just said sounds right. You've seen okay. a few minutes. It's <laughs> right. streaming on something, right? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> uh yeah look uh, killer elite uh when a mentor is taken captive by a disgraced arab sheikh a killer for hire is forced into action to kill this sounds convoluted he has to kill uh three members of the sas responsible for the death of his sons i don't get it so there's a fourth guy too dominic purcell is in this movie uh old potato head from uh prison break you know Um, everyone knows
0: yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, this movie is also written uh, based on a novel called The Featherman, written by yes. Sir Randolph Fiennes, <laughs> yes. who in yes. addition to being uh, cousins to uh, uh, Rafe and Joseph Fiennes, also in 1984 was crowned by the Guinness Book of World Records, the world's greatest explorer.
1: What? Yeah, if you if you grew up in Britain, you know who Randall finds. Is. He's, he's an explorer. The man explores. He's I don't know, He's fucking gone all over the world. He he's one holds of those guys. He's the like the record. oldest guy. He's the, I think he's the oldest guy to climb Everest or yes. one of those things. Like Entirely like, on foot.
0: Yeah. He was the first yeah. one. Is that right? Yes, he's the first to completely cross Antarctica on foot. Why would you do that? That sounds so boring. And then he climbed Mount Everest at sixty five <laughs> and then he sold off the rights to his book so they could make killer elite based on a true story let,
2: let, let me let me read this incredible factoid uh, for you from uh, the Wikipedia of the Feathermen, the novel, number mm. one bestseller written by Rano finds uh, plot uh, here's the uh, short thing about the plot. The book tells the story of four British army soldiers, including two members of the SAS who were assassinated by a hit squad known as the clinic. The murders are carried out over a 70 year period on the orders of a Dubai sheikh, whose three sons were killed by British forces in Oman during a battle with the communist guerrillas. Here's the great part. Fines, Randolph Fines, claimed that he himself was targeted by the group, the clinic, but was savage, (laughs) but was saved by a group of vigilantes calling themselves the Feathermen. This novel, written by Randolph Fines, based on a true story.
0: How does that get turned into this fucking movie? (laughs) Sir Randolph Fines. Also, I just, I kind of can't get over winning being crowned by Guinness the world record for something that is arguably an opinion <laughs> it's not he is the most it's the, uh, he we we he is officially the world's greatest explorer
2: I, I, i'll say this right. about about ranolf fines and his and and admittedly i have not looked into the claims that he is the world's greatest explorer but i'll sure. i'll just say that uh I feel like if nothing is named after you, how can you be the best? You know what I mean? Yeah, like I mean, uh, yeah. uh, the uh, colonialism was terrible. The age of European expansion throughout the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries right People terrible. walking
1: around being like, this is my mountain. It's called totally awful. Yeah, yeah, but right, they right. did
2: go there and they got na- <laughs> stuff named after yes. them. Yes. And after that, there was not that much else to find. Randolph no. finds.
1: No. Yeah, I don't think he could be maybe greatest living But expo- No, come on. No, I don't think so. Also, when you're the third most famous find, yes. do you think he's second? Do you think he beats out Joseph? Well, now Where, Where's Joseph these there, days? There's even hero Tiffin finds now. <laughs> that's true. It's, I believe it's finds Tiffin. but yes. Okay, fine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that he climbed Everest. Uh, uh, again, there is another mountain not named after him that he climbed.
1: Yeah, that's How true. How good
2: could he possibly have been?
1: Maybe he has some little mountain. We don't know. He probably doesn't. Is he still alive? He's still alive, 77 years old. Amazing. I, I just feel like Joseph maybe has him. Isn't Joseph Fines in like. He's on the, the Handmaid's uh, Tale yeah. so, or so whatever. Now yes. He's leaped ahead again now. <laughs> you think that, <laughs> like, after a while he was yeah. down, but then he was like, I got this Hulu show. Right. Like, it's like, got some real
3: energy.
0: Around Running with Scissors, Ranoff was running circles around Joseph. When it, when they were doing the canceled Michael Jackson a TV episode, Ranoff had. Joseph B. But now I think Joseph's pulled ahead again.
1: I forgot about the Michael... Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's can we weird.
0: remind people that existed? That's, there was, there was an announced episode of a British TV show that was it going... Called,
1: uh, Urban Myths, I believe it was called, yes.
0: Right, that was about uh, Marlon Brando, Elizabeth Taylor, and Michael Jackson all getting in a car together after 9-11. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that is
0: correct. <laughs> and and it sounds worse. Joseph finds... Myth- was playing michael jackson i want to say stalker Shannon was playing elizabeth taylor correct and brian cox is marlon brando which sounds good and it was produced and then never ever ever shown they finished (laughs) filming it and people protested Uh, every single element of it
1: i have to do this now i have to make it my background one second i have to because i forgot that an image leaked out of joseph fines as late michael jackson yeah, that's you correct.
2: know I, who could forget when that leaked on the internet oh my god viral...
0: it's so much worse than i
1: remember it being
2: it's truly truly terrible
1: i mean when you're gonna look like that why even be in it you don't look like joseph fines anymore <laughs> like anyone could look he like looks that. like pinocchio <laughs> <You're right. laughs> it's <Okay>. so bizarre <laughs> Ugh. Griff, I think we're done. I mean, the only other thing is, Griff, do you have a Singleton ranking? Do you, it's only nine
3: movies, but do you have your Singleton list? Oh fuck, I didn't prepare. It's but the I end can, of Singleton.
0: I can, I can do it off the dome.
3: I did find something uh, that was named after uh, Finds. <laughs> oh great!
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Yes,
3: I just sent it into the chat. You can okay, take a look. I sent it into the chat. Uh, Sir <laughs> Serena
0: Finds on the adventures that oh! inspired his
1: rum. <laughs> So there you go. Okay. Oh, so Dude, Randall finds his Great British Rum. That's the name. What it's called. <laughs> oh man! And uh, on the rum bottle, it's like him going across the Antarctica. It's a, It's he's all he's all furred up. Uh,
0: this I I I don't know. It feels like as good a time as any to announce my new product launch. Uh, Griffin Newman's good American beer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not great. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. It's okay. It's fine. Look, I, God, I'd love to have a liquor, Jason. You should get a liquor. You should I get would like love a to branded. Get one. I'm
2: not. I'm not at that level yet, but I. I think it's an aspiration, and it's certainly one that uh, that uh, you know, that I think all of us share.
3: Have you considered a vape flavor? <laughs> sure, at least a vape. flavor.
2: A vape flavor. <laughs> like a... Yeah, that could be fun. I I I think I I prefer flour. I think you know I've read several conflicting things about how how healthy vape fluid is for you. I I wouldn't want to poison <laughs> people, but but I, I'd be open to it if certainly if the number was was right. Blank
0: check could have a, a like a small batch ale.
1: I, you know, yeah. I just the 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 promo shoot you do where you like buy a big like sill, you yeah. know, like and you're yeah. like, you know, like you know talking to some old guy and he's like, yeah, that's where we put the you know the barley.
0: I You're I would like, yeah. I also want I want us to have like a fucking Casamigos photo where the three of us are on three <laughs> motorcycles side by right. side with sunglasses with and then, yeah anyway handing okay. each other briefcases full of money. Um, uh, okay. well, what a great talk we had here. <laughs> I, I Jason, thank you so. I mean, we're
1: are uh, uh, just so gonna.
0: <laughs> it was my
2: it was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: No, I mean you've been uh, requested as a guest, one of the most, uh, one of the most requested guests oh, for this show it. for for years. And uh, when we settled on doing Singleton, and we saw this one, we were like, "That feels like a good way to make that episode <laughs> worth listening to." <laughs> that was our thought, and you have Juice succeeded on that front.
2: It's a magical movie, and listen, if if people want to sit uh, and watch a ninety-minute movie that is completely unexciting and in- indeed uh, often baffling. Uh, Check it out. The Taylor Lautner Vehicle Abduction 2011 R.I.P. John Singleton.
1: Rip. Um, uh,
0: Rip. Uh, Rip, unfortunately. Jason, is there anything you want to plug?
2: Uh, Listen to Take Line on uh, on Crooked Media. It comes out every Tuesday. Watch All Caps NBA on the Take Line YouTube channel that comes out every Friday. That's it. Be good to each other out there.
0: Well, that's a huge yeah. plug. Be good yeah. to each other. And also, if you want to be good to yourself, remember to rate, review, and subscribe, Blank Check, yes. on all, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow us at Blank Check Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media. Thank you to Alex Barron and AJ McKeon for our editing. Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for a theme song. Thank you to JJ Birch and Nick Floriano for research. Uh, you can mm-hmm. go to blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit and go to our Shopify page for some real nerdy merch and go over to the Blank Check Patreon, patreon.com slash Blank Check, where we do Blank Check special features, franchise commentaries, finishing up our hot day summer with the Twilights. Will we have announced yep. what's next at this point or is that still a
1: surprise? Uh, no, 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 we're not. So we're, we're, in the, we're in the middle of the Breaking Dawns right now. I think people will be very, very happy uh yes. with that
0: but the last two uh, especially the last breaking dawn episode i think is uh, really really good uh now we should we should throw out because the schedule is going to be a little a little interesting for the next couple of weeks because yeah john carpenter our march madness winner will be our mini series for the fall it's going to be a That's fucking right. barn burner we got great guests lined up and obviously just a, a killer killer selection of movies but those are great but there are a couple new release films coming out in july that we need to cover because of past episodes and because of that we need to do two episodes to fill the gap between our new releases so so we just say everything we're doing right now
1: sure these are our plans we're doing another well go ahead go ahead okay first up july 11th Mm. it's been a while it has been a while since a Ben's choice.
0: So it's time for another one. And Ben, of course, picked a movie that David immediately identified is not just a Ben's choice, but is perhaps a Hosley manifesto.
3: That's right. We're doing a, a classic film, a film I love, uh, called uh, Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt. Joseph Dirt.
0: <laughs> Joseph Dirt.
1: Yes, we love him.
0: And, and then on uh, July 18th, uh, a a long-promised episode we're finally getting to. Uh, last summer, Tom Sharpling donated thousands of dollars to charity. Good, uh, for good, the, good on him. Good on him uh, for the fundraisers we did on the George Lucas talk show. And he often would ask for some sort of uh, uh, prize or punishment in exchange for the money he donated, such as making me uh, drop a pastrami sandwich off of my fire escape. But one time what he asked for was a second reckoning with a film that perhaps we did not investigate thoroughly enough in one episode alone. So we are going back to the well and doing yeah. another episode on the Martin Short movie, Clifford.
1: Yeah.
0: It yeah. is... David's a,
1: a former Ben's Choice.
0: Thrilled about this. It is Clifford to Hyper Clifford, a sequel to our first episode about
1: Clifford uh yeah so that's next after joe dirt that's right and then there are two new movies to talk about space jam a new legacy which looks great yep it looks perfect Does, doesn't look
0: like there's anything
1: fucked up about that
0: movie. no absolutely not the cinema is still alive the movies are back right. space jam a new legacy my brother james e newman coming back for that one and then right. august 1st we're talking Shyamalan. we're talking old marie bardi is going to make her first uh, main feed appearance on the show Yep. And then Ben Carpenter. Then we'll start Carpenter and hold to Transylvania yep. 4 got pushed back. So that will happen mid Carpenter. <laughs> of course. I'm so excited for Carpenter,
2: you
1: guys. That's going to be it's so gonna fun. Be It's going to be fun. Be it's going to be great, Jason.
0: It's going to be fun. And look, it, Singleton's been a fun uh, journey. I'll say it's weird because. uh you know we usually record episodes months and months and months in advance, right, and we were banking up a a absurd an absurd amount of episodes in advance of uh you and your wife having a child david true
3: and yes.
0: then uh during your paternity leave, I started dealing with health issues, and our sure. getting back into recording schedule was uh was slow and very gradual and so this has been a very drawn out record we've spent like six months with Singleton in our brains. Yeah, um, because the nine movies. Yeah. Right. We we kind of recorded all of Musker and Clements and May and the first half of Singleton within like a month. And then we the rest of the Singleton episodes were very uh, spread out. Um, but it's been a very interesting sort of like uh, time to immerse ourselves in and, and sort of this kind of last hurrah in a way for like, uh, I don't know, real auteur careers within the studio system uh and it's it's sort of uh i don't know obviously there's the x factor of him dying so young but uh it it does kind of presage i feel like what uh happened uh to the industry in general and with that shall we do our quick uh singleton
1: rankings david it's easy i'll run it down for you right now boys in the hood Uh number one rosewood number two great Mm -hmm. movie baby boy number three those two are kind of close for me both like very interesting, very good, not totally, you know, perfect movies. Then I have Poetic Justice at four and Too Fast at five, mm-hmm. Four Brothers at six, and then Shaft, Higher Learning, Abduction are fairly clear seven, eight, and nine for me. You're right. probably different, Griff. You like Higher Learning more than me.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's the bananas thing I'm going to do. Number one is Boys in the Hood. My number two favorite is Higher Learning. I'm a lunatic. That's crazy. Arrest that's, that's me. Weird. Send me to jail. <laughs> that's weird um higher learning number two then i would go hmm i think i go baby boy and then rosewood but those are pretty much split for me i i obviously want to acknowledge that higher learning is a more inherently flawed movie than rosewood or baby boy but i love it and it kind of for me is like the purest kind of uncut singleton movie then i go hmm then i go too fast then i go shaft then i go four brothers then i go abduction
1: yeah, Four Brothers Low. Four Brothers is fun. I look, I like Whatever. them all other than abduction. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. They're enjoyable movies to land. watch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. That's it. Goodbye, John. That's been our episode. Goodbye, John. It's been nice spending some time with you. And thank as you again, always, Jason.
2: Thank you for having me. It was wonderful.
0: It truly our honor. And uh we'll we'll have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, man. And, and just because I want to end. Singleton, on a somewhat positive note, since this is such a downer, shitty movie for his career to end on, I want to just list some accolades that Abduction received. So, (laughs) and as always, as clearly (laughs) outlined on the Abduction uh, Wikipedia page, um, Abduction was nominated for a Golden Reel Award for Dialogue and ADR in a Feature Film. Okay, you say perhaps that's not that great of an award. Uh, <laughs> most unnoticeable ADR. Well, hold your horses. It did win the Teen Choice Award for Choice Movie and Choice Movie Actor. Jesus! In the genre of action, it <laughs> that's was some nominated, right there. <laughs> nominated mm-hmm. for, but didn't win. Worst Actor. Taylor oh, lautner. Sandler. split. Sandler beat him out twilight saga breaking dawn part one right A uh, uh, sandler body him for jack and jill and my final note for the john singleton miniseries i do want people to know that it didn't win but abduction was nominated at the golden trailer awards best standee for a feature film